Mike, did you yep. see that? Uh, I'm intrigued. That that <laughs> clip about uh, I've always dreamed of like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory type elevator to drop me off at the at the tree stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has anyone else proposed that to you? A hundred podcast is brought to you by Deer Grow. Heck yeah, man. Dude, we put a lot of food in the ground every year, you know, seemingly more and more, and uh, we have a ton of fun with it during the off-season. Uh, there's some struggles that come with it, too, though, right? Obviously, the back of my truck is evidence, you know, right now. It's mm-hmm. a couple of weeks after uh, I jackknifed, you know, a 4,800-pound uh, material spreader, you know, as I was coming down, and it's just it was too much weight for my truck there. But, you know, all those struggles aside, you know, dude, Deer Grill really has been a staple for our food plotting process uh, for several years now. Yes, we like to put lime and fertilizer on the plots, you know, if we can, but there are some that it's just we're not able to get to them or it's not feasible for us to get out of state with that stuff and so deer grow is kind of the, the quick and easy but still super effective option for us to be able to get the most out of those food plots that we can every year and i mean we're guilty of over analyzing things just like everyone else but that's the best part about deer grow is that it's going to create healthier soils which in turn makes better food plots and the fact is is we can simply spray plot start or plot till when we put the seed in the ground and then when that plant starts to grow we hit it with boost And we know that we walk away when we come back, it's going to be a great looking food plot. For anybody that's looking to try Deer Grow, if you use the code HUNTER15, that's H-U-N-T-R-1-5 at checkout for DeerGrow.com and save 15% on any of your Deer Grow products. It's a great way to get started on this and just see what the results are for yourself. Better food plots, bigger deer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back Hey-o. on our podcast, episode 156, as Nick mm-hmm. continues to keep us in line. It sounds nice. This little, little different acoustics in this room. From, well, from, from the old Airbnb kitchen. Yeah. 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 Everybody was so curious. They're like, what What do you got in your cabinets? It's, it's like, uh, what's, well, I want to know what's in that fridge. I want to know what's in that. It's like, it's uh, lunch cleaning meat. supplies. Lunch, lunch meat, meat and a pound of ground meat. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's it. Leftover. Some old sardines in here. Yeah. That's about it. There, what there wasn't was garlic salt mm, and critical. when we came to the final meal which was spaghetti and uh, and meat sauce and you know garlic bread is what we were all hoping for <sighs> wasn't that not, not only that we misplaced the spaghetti sauce oh, like geez. we got everything ready we're cooking and then i was like where's the sauce so i still where, haven't looked at my it, truck where's the sauce? I would assume it rolled out of the bag and it's in the back of my truck somewhere. So I had to make a beeline 10 minutes to a little grocery store, critical, made it in time before they closed, nice. got the spaghetti sauce and the garlic salt. Hell yeah. Yeah. We were re- we, we kept realizing that we were out of stuff like after 7 p.m. <laughs> and that's when everything closes. We're like, before that live podcast, I was like, we only have three beers in the fridge. And I was, re- you know, frantically Googling. Like, Our brains were shot by the time we got back to the Airbnb every day, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. It was just but like, we just want to eat. You guys were going hard. 
in the paint, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, I'm going back. You know that? I did. Yeah, I'm yeah. going back next week. Oh, I yeah. talked to my. I was uh, after I dropped you off. My dad called me, mm-hmm. and I'm going back. And I was like, yeah. I was like, uh, I was like, so Dwayne's probably going to be riding with us uh, to Kansas. Jared's going back to Illinois, and he's like, of course he is. <laughs> Have to. I don't really have a choice. He's like, no, wait a minute. He's like, are you saying he's going to Illinois and then going straight to Kansas? I was like, yeah. He's like, crazy. <laughs> I really don't have a choice. Yeah, you I do. Wa- I was still. feeling like when I, you know, just to be home last night, I was like, boy, this is a quick turnaround. Like I'm. Wait, I mean, you're going to the farm to tonight. To we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if we, we get it's to, well, I'm going tonight either way. It's Friday, November third, right now. Whether I get, have time to get in a stand tonight or not is will be determined. Yeah, yeah, I. Probably not with wrangling the kids. Tomorrow uh, evening I will. Tomorrow morning I won't. Dude, I had a great conversation with Jed this morning on the way here. I, yeah. It was great for me. I know he. it's it's fun because he's going through this, the learning phases of hunting with a compound bow. Yep. You know, because so, he's a lifer, a crossbow guy. And he and he he didn't directly ask me, but he expressed interest in, like, getting into it. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, as you hear in the Hoyt commercial, you know. So we got we got Jed set up with, with a... He's shooting the Ventum. Yeah, left-handed. This year and everything. And so he um, shot at his first deer with it the other night. He shot at a doe mm-hmm. and hit it back. And um, like, Did you figure out what broadhead he was using? Uh, it's a Rage Tripan, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think I probably told him originally just, hey, start with a start with a big. Um, yeah, big. Expandable. Because he's shooting 70 pounds, and I've got his arrows set up for mm-hmm. what he needs and stuff. And um, so he hit the thing back. He's since been back at the house and shot it, and he is shooting left, shooting like a couple inches left. Like Really? So he's thinking, you know, I wasn't there for the whole setup process, so either his sight got bumped or something happened. Maybe his form changed along the way. I mean, dude, think about our first, you know, it, it's an ever-evolving process, but mm-hmm. especially those first five, you know, as, as a teenager, it's like, dude, I remember so many things would change my shot throughout the year, whether it was layers of clothes sure. or... Oh. Yeah, dude. angles from tree stands. It's like I mean, there were no level, you know, bubbles on sights and stuff when I grew up shooting. Like I mean, and I shot. I shot my first compound. I shot fingers for a long right. time. There were no. I didn't even know what a release was. Yeah. So it's cool. He's like observing and learning for himself all these like these things. He's like, man, I'm not happy. I made this this bad shot. Here's what I think happened. I came back. I figured this out, and I'm like, that's exactly how you learn, dude. Like, that's, yeah. that's perfect. And so now. It's a dead deer. Mistakes know? usually cause the best learning moments. Right. And, and obviously, uh, you know, I don't want, uh, you know, animals to suffer as a result of a learning curve. Mm-hmm. So that that doe's dead, and he's mm-hmm. going to go back. I told him, I was like, dude, if you hit guts, I mean, she, she's dead, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, you need to just give him time and then mm-hmm. go in and, and see if you can recover. So he's going to. That's all you can do, man. Yeah, yeah it, it's, uh, I think that, well, I mean, the bump site thing's a big one. Like, even today... Um, if I was going out behind the house this afternoon, I would shoot three or four arrows today just because of our, we drove nine hours just to make sure nothing moved in the case or since, you know, shooting this buck or whatever. Um, you know, just fire a few down, make sure the bow's on and everything's in work in order and then feel confident going into the weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys that, you know, once the season starts, they don't shoot their bow. They shoot their bow up to the season starting and then they don't. And I... You know, I'm a big proponent of at least slinging, you know, a dozen arrows a week or something, mm-hmm. you know. There's definitely a mentality shift. I, I know that my d- desire or just like my uh, consistency shooting my bow throughout the season, for some reason, it does it does fall off. Well, yeah, you just don't. Your time is dedicated to a hunt, not practice. Right. 
So I just try. It's easy. Like if I'm in my back, like heading in the backyard, like I sling two shots and then I walk into the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're traveling and stuff, like usually like I have that target in the back of the truck. I just throw it out, shoot two, three shots. And then I'm like, yeah, feel good. Go. Yeah. You know what I haven't done with those severs yet? I mean, I just, I know that they fly, I've killed some deer with them already, Mm -hmm. but I would like to, you know, they come with that set screw Mm -hmm. to anchor the blades in so you can practice with your real, with your actual broadhead. So I'd like to try that at some point. Yeah. No, I haven't shot that either yet. Mm -hmm. I did shoot one, but I didn't do the set screw. So it blew up at my target basically. Oh yeah. Um, But I shot a 40 yard shot and it flew true. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So um, well, like we said, it's November 3rd. So if you're listening to this two weeks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's the fourth mid November at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we are, we are just getting into the best time. And if you're listening to this, it's kind of, you're, you know, if you're right at the edge, like there, there begins to be from a rut hunting standpoint, a diminishing return probably after listening to this. Um, but I think you know, we've talked about it numerous times, whether it's in relation to the Illinois farm or in Ohio, um, somewhere around Thanksgiving, uh, if you have food on your property, you stand a chance at, at killing a mature buck, um, where he puts that feedback on, or he starts to check those food sources for those last few does coming into asterisk. So there is a, an unpredictability about the rut. And it's just a short window after that, that I think, you've got a really good chance of new deer that came in for the rut sticking around and checking those food sources. But if you don't have food sources and you're hunting Oak ridges or whatever, it starts to get, you know, exponentially harder here after the 20th of, of November, probably. Yeah. Especially if there's cold weather. I mean, just all them deer start to transition off of, you know, last acorns are getting cleaned up. Most Mm -hmm. of the crops have been picked and, Mm -hmm. and fed through at that point. So yeah, third, fourth week of November is where you start to, you know, at least I do anyways. I'm like, man, I got to put the work into these food plots because they start yep. to. That's where they pay them. off. Yeah. So, you know, obviously for us recording this, the next two weeks are some of the best weeks from a rut standpoint uh, and activity standpoint. Yeah. <clears throat> and just to, I mean, catch up where we're at. So like mm-hmm. if you guys watched the live the other day, that was just two, three days ago that we mm-hmm. did that. We drove back from Illinois last night Yep. Uh, with, you know, uh, still with optimism enough that I'm I'm gonna quickly turn around I think and head back next week before mm-hmm. we go to Kansas the following week. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. We just got back from Illinois yep. last night. Regrouped. I threw all my clothes in the washer. Uh, Margie and I are going to the farm today. Mm-hmm. I, I might get a hunt or two in. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Are you hunting behind the house or in Kentucky? Uh, not to probably not tonight because I got to get the kids. Emily's at a running event this weekend. Tomorrow we're running a 5K in the morning, but tomorrow afternoon we're gonna hunt behind the house. Cool. Um, I don't know if Car- it, Carter got f- his first dibs said, Hey, you want to hunt? You can hunt. If not, he'll stay at the house. Harlan and I will go and then I'm going to try to kill that big one behind the house. Cool. And you've um, got about a, a week here. Yeah. And I'm just going to try to go to Kentucky next week, but, um, the weather doesn't look great. Too much. So I think I'm going to stay in Pennsylvania for the next, basically till Kansas, um, get three or four hunts in behind the house trying to kill that big mature eight yeah. that's back there. Cool. And then be ready to rip to Kansas next week. Yeah, dude. We're in it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be pretty wild. So uh, we got a guest today. So we've got Mike Yoder back from um, Drone Deer Recovery. And I think this is a cool time to talk to to Mike. I mean, I, a lot of things going in uh, around the drone side and, and, you know, should you be able to use drones for these? Should you not? But I also like this time of year because it's one of the, I would assume the busier times from this like rut 
you know, end of peak rut, beginning of rut archery times for Mike and his team. Uh, and, and I'm intrigued at least in terms of, you know, them being able to have some observational data around, Hey, you know, some of these deer that are hit that you find, like, what are the, where are those hits located on the body? Um, cause we talked about this buck. I made a, a really sharp quarter away last rib up in through guts, liver, lung basically, and you know, died fast. I saw a graphic recently, uh, after I was kind of just looking at some of this, saw a graphic recently that I would say that you and I both probably hang closer to the shoulder than back. Um, and it would, it was basically a recovery of dead deer based on hit. And there was a lot of red up by the shoulder, meaning not recovered. And even back, like liver guts, a lot of green found the deer dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's one of those things that I'm, I'm one of the first guys to say, and I said it about the hit on this deer is I, I fear greatly when I hit back, I don't like it. I feel, I feel like I have a immediately decreased my chances of harvesting that deer. However, per the doe I hit with my recurve, I mean, I drilled her right in the shoulder and did not recover her. Huh? Well, yeah, it's interesting that you feel that way. I mean, I, if you get it in that cavity, the, the deer dying, it's just a matter of, of how and when long you say cavity, you're talking about in front of the diaphragm, like lungs, heart cavity. I, I do. But also, I mean, if you put it through the guts there, it's a dead deer, which is according to this graphic, much more successful at finding dead deer versus a lot of hits up front, not recovering the deer. What was that data, um, pulling from like who was recovering that deer? Uh, it was, it was a survey. I think it was a survey from like, I don't know if it was from like the blood trackers, like dog blood trackers. Well, because that would make sense because like you don't call those people unless you're having trouble recovering them to begin with or same with Mike or yeah, same with Mike Mm then the drones and stuff. So, you know, the the only reason you bring somebody like that in is if you know, it's not going to die in a, in a manner that you can recover it quickly, which happens when you hit it you know, directly behind the shoulder, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, cause a lot of guys will hit the shoulder and the deer won't die mm-hmm. or, or hit low. Yeah. Hit brisket. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. but so also, you know, there are, a, there's a percentage of guys I, I happen to be in them. I'm, I'm shooting a high poundage bow with a, you know, a, a setup that's built for yep. penetration. IFOC built. If I hit them mm-hmm. in the shoulder, it's blown through. I'm, I'm killing it. I'm mm-hmm. going to be one of the green ones, and I won't have to make a call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Most likely. Sure. You know? And that's I'm not bragging. That's just the setup is built for it. That's mm-hmm. what it does. Yeah, I think the only shot in the front, and I mean, you're sure going to hurt them that would be questionable is that, that knuckle of the deer, where basically I hit wide boy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at that time, I wasn't shooting near the built-for-penetration setup as I have now. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I not got... Not even close. No, but I mean... You know, even with a you're a shooting a hundred grain tip with no FOC. Correct. Yeah, or you know low I mean? that, FOC. You yeah. were shooting good, maybe good. Well, not even, dude. You're just shooting a seventy pound bow with a pretty standard fast. Arrow. It was probably fast, fairly fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that that knuckle is is something that I don't know. You, you were also shooting it. a uh, Ray Tripan at the time. Uh, no, Ramcat. Oh, okay. Interesting. I had a grand Ram, Ramcat at the time. Interesting. Um, so it, you know, I that knuckle still like that's why these guys are you know pushing these big, heavy, single bevels, right? That you're going to crush right through that knuckle even. And not. I don't know how our expandables would do there. I don't, I don't have an answer for you. Because um, I can definitely, to your point, blow through a shoulder blade, no problem. 
Um, but I don't know if I could blow through the knuckle of that yeah. that femur bone. Well, you know, I, I feel like we have made it's, our setups are not perfect by any means, but we've made leaps and bounds towards things that will penetrate better, more mm-hmm. more effectively, uh, even on those uh, you know those shoulder potentially knuckle hits. Um, however, I think that we have some room to improve still. That's yep. where we're starting to look at these Easton arrows. And like th- they're the only arrows that are manufactured that don't have a, a seam. A seam. Yep. Which is crazy. Like, I guess, I don't know. Well, when we talk about those spines, like everybody says, find that weak point in the arrow because of the Literally, spine. Literally, they're marked on the spine. Dude, so I'm shooting that. We're both shooting victory. Mm-hmm. And I've got that VAP. Yep. And uh, as, as we're talking to um, a guy we'll have on the podcast at some point, a good friend of ours, Mick Doggett, yep. he was telling us, he's like, dude, look at your arrow. It, there's literally an, an arrow. There's a point. There's a Where the seam is. They put marks on it to show you where the seam is at. That's the weak point of the arrow. And that's what requires bear shaft tuning and things like, uh, I mean, that's the main one is is uh, you're, you're, you're tuning and trying to set your arrow up to accommodate for that weak point in the arrow because yeah, that's where your flex is going to be and your it's going to affect yeah. your flight and what that uh leads to is decreased penetration yes um because you know you're having to adapt set your veins up in a way you're losing tw- energy twist your broadhead in a way that you know hopefully gets the sh- the truest flying arrow whereas with those eastern arrows um you don't have that no same every, every side is equally there's no uh mm-hmm. you know spine side or whatever so well, I think we're going to be kind of we're going to be transitioning to those arrows. There's a uh, equally as good, I think, mm-hmm. uh, outsert uh, and it, you know, insert. There's mm-hmm. some options. There's setups that will mirror how ours are currently weighted, mm-hmm. but we're going to remove that, uh, you know, that uh, that weak point in the arrow. Uh, hopefully, we yeah. can transition. And briefly, because I know we'll talk to Mike about it, but like um, uh, that was the first year that I've killed with a sever. I had a two inch titanium sever with that thing, and um, forty three yards hard quarter away like that that was the longest shot i've ever taken i i mean i got 24 plus inches of penetration straight up through the cavity on that buck Mm -hmm. um and hit his opposite shoulder yeah crushed him would have maybe got more if i had not hit the opposite shoulder Mm -hmm. um but i mean that that tore him apart yeah it went 25 35 yards and fell over yeah so um it kind of goes back to our we like those very large cut on contact entry type broadheads um, obviously we didn't have to track blood on this deer. Um, but, well, and, and dude, speak to, um, you know, a lot of guys, maybe not so much anymore, but like the original rages and stuff, mm-hmm. the original big expandable broadheads that one of the major deterrents was that they could at a hard angle shot, like the one you took the other day, Defle- a lot of guys are getting deflections or none or, or, or you'd have a, you know, an eight inch long cut as it kind of like skidded along the none. animal before it entered. I mean, that thing just, I mean, it, when it hit, it was classic thwack. Yeah. And I mean, he, he did not like it. And it was about as hard as angle shot as you could have And taken. I think we've talked about it before, like just in practice rounds, I'm shooting 125 grains as are you, um, you know, so my FOC is a little, is a little better than has been in the last couple of years. I mean, my penetration on my deer target has been disgusting. I'm going to start calling that my fuck. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I like the fuck. As uh, in meet the fuckers. Yeah. But like it, that, that penetration on that deer target has been like disgusting. I'm talking like 12, 15 inches at 40 yards hanging out the other side of that Glendale buck target. Um, and so I, I feel really, really confident with that setup and, and proven on this deer. Can you imagine getting shot square in the shoulder with one oh. of our setups? <laughs> like you, if you just went like this and took it oh. and said, go ahead. Whack. That would not feel good. Oh, that would I, not feel I good. I would probably die. Yeah. 
I bet you would, Nick. <laughs> I'm bleeding out here. <laughs> it's just a scratch. Don't worry. Yeah, it would be, uh, yeah, that would be brutal. So, but yeah, I'm interested to hear, because obviously Mike and the team are recovering stuff, and, like, so they have as much firsthand observational data as possible uh, on these types of hits and, and broadheads and everything. You also, know, that also seen a lot of, uh, you know, those guys are hitting challenges that I assume they knew that they would and that we maybe briefly covered on the last podcast in terms of legality of using drones to recover. You and I, I think, are a little bit in disagreement. We, sure. Uh, not disagreement, but, like, the way we're looking at it is maybe a little differently mm -hmm. in terms of where is the line between recovering a deer with a drone and or any recovery practice and hunting the deer. Yeah. You know, because... Because the drone gives you that ability to to know the status, there's a, a not finding, only the location, but also alive or dead. Yeah, you, you're going to find the deer with the thermal drone. You will find it. Yeah. Now, if it's dead, you've recovered it, and I think we're both in favor of that. Yeah. If it's alive, Absolutely. now what? Do yeah. you go and try to shoot it again, and that becomes uh, a, you know, a mercy shot recovery? Do you, it, Or is that considered hunting with a drone? Mm -hmm. or, that's a very fine line. Yeah, and so Mike, I'm sure has the the best way to kind of explain that to us. So let's let's get him on. Okay, and right. we're back, huh? <laughs> all right, buddy. Hey, all good. We're back. Oh, we're good. All right, sweet. You ready to rock? I'm just gonna shut my phone down because it just keeps ringing. Yeah. Well, that's probably for what we were just talking about, Mike. Is it's uh it's a busy time of year. People are slinging arrows and bolts at a lot of deer, and and your phone Dude, is gonna it's get called. Been nuts. It's absolutely been wild. We talk about it all the time, like how wild it is. But like it's, ugh. like I have pilots riding with me that were watching the YouTube channel last year, and uh, now they're like in the hot seat, and they're like, Mike, this is wild. I'm like, uh, exactly. Like yeah. that's what I've been telling you guys. Yeah. Well, dude, how you know, there's never been, like, a surefire way to recover your deer before. Like, the, kind of the best that we had up until, I guess, the creation of drones or you guys, you know, started offering the service was, was dogs. Dogs. I mean, yep. That was yep, always got the thing. It. And those were hit or miss because it's like, well, do you know a guy with a dog? Like, do, you know, how do we yep. use these resources? They had limited time. They all, you know, work and stuff, too. Now, for the first time ever, you know, and I don't know what you, you guys started your business within the past two, three years, right, Mike? No, just uh, about 14 months ago. <laughs> well, but you were in, okay, so just last year was the first year then. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. So now for the first time ever, it's like we as hunters have the option to like we can pay, you know, so there's mm -hmm. fee with it whatever, but we will find the deer. Yeah. We will uh, find the deer. Yeah. Yeah, if the deer is in the area, we will find the deer. Yep. I mean, if he's completely moved out of the area and he's over a 1000 yards away, then uh, no, you you probably won't find the deer, but a 1000 yards. <laughs> yeah, if that's where you're drawing the line. I I am saying that because like once you start going beyond that point, you're, you're just yeah. aimlessly. I mean, shit. The deer could be in the next county over. And we're saying probably a thousand yards from last blood, not necessarily the shot. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I think to yeah. your point, Jared, it, it, let's say it's at that thousand yards. Then it becomes well. Now I'm just trying to find him. He's probably not dead. And now it's like, where's that line between using the drone to find that deer and what's happening versus recover that deer? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which I'm yeah. sure we'll get into that. That is the biggest, if there's a, a moral question around or even a, a legality question. I know, Mike, you're probably having this conversation like on a daily basis at this point. I know you're uh, in conversation or in some cases maybe fighting different states and legislations just working against your business. So, I mean, I'm we're, oh, yeah. we're curious to, yep. to hear that. Yeah, are we uh, hopping right into the yep. legal side of things? Or we're, we're ripping, man. We're, yeah, we're live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the legal stuff is definitely, it. it just... 
honestly, when I started it, I never thought I'm the guy that the people are calling to talk about legal stuff. Um, now I got state representatives literally calling my phone to want to talk to me about the technology and how they can, you know, introduce this and make black and white law, not gray law, like almost every state has right now. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's part of the company gr or like business growing that I had no idea that I'll be, uh, yeah. And it's funny how you kind of, of assume that role when you're like one of, one of the first to be pa like, t whatever it is, bring a technology, be passionate yeah, about an issue. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. frankly, yeah, dude, we is. we had the same conversation. So Mike Rex is the representative in Ohio, or maybe rep is the wrong word, but he's the, the chairman of the commission, basically. Commission, basically. And so yep. it was funny to find out as we were speaking with him on, you know, issues around, you know, baiting was is our concern that he had just talked to you about, uh, you know, the, the drones in Ohio. So I was like, man, it's a, it's a small world. It's good that we're getting connected with those guys that are actually making decisions, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That guy is on it uh, for sure. Yeah. He talked to me last year down at the Columbus Deer and Turkey Expo. And uh, at that time, <clears throat> he already told me that he's interested in the technology. And uh, I think he, him and some of his buddies may have been invested in the technology. Yeah. Friggin' yeah. smart, smart guy. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, when we, I, oh, yeah. Jeremy and I, I think we're blown away. In fact, he's going to come on the podcast the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. I, th yeah. I think we're going to try to record. And yeah, very knowledgeable about oh, a, that a, guy. Unreal. Oh, my gosh. When he starts talking to you, it's like just a wealth of knowledge. I know. Well, that's why I missed your yeah. call yesterday. Is like we were going. We, 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 <laughs> yeah. we were like 45 yeah. minutes into the conversation. I was like, dude, please don't stop. I was like, we're learning. Yeah. And he was open to our opinions on that stuff, too. So Not like, to mention, like, uh, the dude is a big buck killer. Oh, like, he Oh, yeah. Dude, I think he has the most he Boone and Crockett. Yeah, okay. I, I thought I was right on that. Yeah, that's See, insane. Uh, it's the most. It might be Boone Ohio and Crockett, but it's buck, definitely big, Ohio Big Buck Club. Buck, Buckeye Club. He might or have big started Club. that. He either started it and or has the most entries. Yeah, for sure. We said him and his kids have fifty-one entries. Yeah, <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, crazy, but but that's wild. Yeah, Mike, you know, one of the things we were kind of talking there pre-podcast is, you know, um, we we I know uh, Shane Simpson from the dog side does it in terms of trying to keep track of like, you know, what they shoot it with, where they find it, but you know, the dog thing is is again, um, you probably unless you bump it, like you, you know, you don't know if that deer is still alive or dead. Like it's yeah. just yeah i was just talking to a guy out of michigan that uh does dogs and he's calling me because he's not against the technology at all he's he thinks that this should just be another tool that a hunter can use but yeah he was um basically he's got a lot of dog knowledge and he's telling me that yes they won't recover those deer the deer that are still alive and on the hoof they will you know give their opinion Sure. on if they think the deer is alive or not but there's no there's no okay so when a hunter says well i um uh, i know i was back or i was low where i was here i was there that's what they think but there's no way that the dog can tell you where that shot was like this drone can so that's one thing that i tell people it's like <clears throat> yes a dog might be great to track a, a deer down that is actually dead but if it's not like you have no idea right where you know where that hit actually was uh, we've talked about it before. It's like, you think you hit it here, but where you actually hit it when we find it is completely different. Well, there, there, are, yeah. there are clues, though, right? So, like, up until, it's funny, like, there's this hard line of, like, before drones and now with drones. So, like, before, I mean, dude, guys were, you would go, literally, you had, you had there was guy you, you would call three or four people and be like, here's the, da here's the information I have. Arrow looks like this. I think I yep. hit it yep. here. Here's... Yep. 
what I've seen on the blood trail so far in terms of beds, uh, yeah. you know, whether it's pieces of organs, what the blood looks like. Yep. You have all these pieces that's like the, the pre-drone information. Here's what we have to go off of. And yeah. yeah, and now you just have, well, let's just find them and see where the head's at. Wild. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it, it's amazing. Like uh, the one we found last night and then went back this morning just to make sure that he's done. It's like literally you can see where the arrow is in the deer. And so you, you can uh, analyze that a lot better. Okay, so it's in there this far. You know, it's got to be up in this area of the, uh, you know, of the organs. So let's give him this amount of hours. And so yeah, it, it's definitely crazy. Are, My, so I'm sorry. Are you free to say uh, who that? Are you able to talk about who you recovered last night or not? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I assume I am. I'm allowed, but I, I don't want to give his story away. So this won't drop for two weeks. So, I mean, let us but, know if yeah. you can't. But yeah, well, we found uh, Clint Casper's buck last night. Okay, and who is that? Uh, he used to do his own podcast um, somehow through the Working Class Bow Hunter podcast. Okay, he had his own podcast. Right on, and he's from Ohio. Yes, from Ohio. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I. Sorry, I cut you off. Did you have a question? Well, yeah, I was going to, you know, you mentioned finding that deer and then coming back. I, I was just kind of curious, uh, I guess, two-phase question there, Mike, in that, you know, you got, you have a team. How many people do you have operating now under, uh, under your brand? Well, okay. So, yeah, we should probably talk about that. Because so that's just changed talk about a lot how, since we've talked last time. Oh, yeah. Yep. Big time. So, I'm just going to say how many guys are in my office that yep. are now working under the actual team of Drone Deer Recovery. And there are uh, seven seven pilots here, access to seven drones um, right here in this office. Now, how many people are there that were, were licensed operators? There were 30-plus licensed operators in 15 different states, but we have gone away from that. It should be public Monday. We are releasing a whole new website that we uh, talked to our uh, previous licensed operators and basically terminated our uh, exclusive licensed operators because of uh, issues with other states. They were saying that I have people in their state that's not, according to them, legal. So... Mm. I had to figure out what is best for the company. Uh, one is I don't want to be in a bunch of different lawsuits. I'll, I'll be yeah. in one for right now. But yeah. uh, uh, when I got a cease and desist from the state of New York, because there is a licensed operator, even though we in the contract separate um, the company from that operator, uh, they still include you in some, some way. And I was wanting to help more people that come to the website that are looking for a thermal pilot to be able to find their carcass that we just ha didn't have enough. There was not enough pilots to go around. So we had uh, just yesterday, I got the stats. We have over 40,000 people going to our website uh, either to want to fly drones or want uh, carcass recovery or some form of something from drone deer recovery. We had so many leads coming in in areas that we don't have operators there, like the one day we had over 28 uh, before the season even got going, and only two of those got dispatched because the operators were so far away. Wow. So now, now what we're going to do is we will list anybody that has a thermal drone. They can list on our website. That way, when somebody comes to our website, they will be able to zoom in on a map, and I'll give them the icons and a list of people that are available uh, to call to have their carcass recovered with a drone now we are making it very very aware that we have no 
we have no affiliate with those pilots. So the person that's calling, you know, that thermal drone pilot, he better check, ask the questions to make sure that this pilot is qualified, knows what he's doing, has the equipment and all of that. Because we just basically want to connect the hunter with the thermal pilot. Uh, what we were doing is trying to build an exclusive thing and it, it was working, but we just had so many people coming that we weren't able to help them. Exclu so exclusive like, how, Mike? What do you mean ex exclusive? Uh, we were only giving those leads to a licensed operator. So I know that for a fact that there's now hundreds, maybe even a thousand thermal drone pilots out there trying to do carcass recovery, mm -hmm. uh, but we weren't giving them the leads. We They were only going to exclusive you know drone deer recovery license operators and so that really sucked because i had all these people coming to drone deer to connect them with a thermal pilot and i wasn't helping them and so all these people were going to the wayside that were not being helped all they were wanting is a, a is a thermal pilot mm. Uh, doesn't it seem like over the like I, I understand how it might be a massive undertaking to do this like up front but wouldn't there be some value to you uh, as opposed to the hunter I guess you drone deer recovery kind of um, what's the word F vetting filtering vetting you know ha having some level of like here, here you know even basic level training to say we, listen here's how we're doing we this. right now will say drone deer recovery trusted or something like 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 that like trusted by drone deer recovery okay. but we will be setting up we're in the works of having a drone deer recovery certification yep. so you'll Perfect. be able to go through a program where you become drone you know drone deer recovery certified that way you can put that on your profile now the hunter that goes to the um, website will see that it's drone deer recovery certified and he already knows right off the rip that he's going to have insurance, he's going to have the best thermal drone, and he's going to be a professional because we're going to vet those people and make sure that they're a professional. They're not just a freelancer yeah. that wants to do this for beer money or whatever. That, but they're you know professionals. That yeah. is coming. We just basically we got to get them. We we got to get them on the website. Yeah, that the, way the people that are just still, so high. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it it is nuts. I'm telling I you guys. I, I I I'm not just saying this because it's my thing, but like I have a pilot that's south of me on my website. Right now, he got over 400 clicks in the last 28 days. People calling him Holy to come. Cow. Dude, he's one guy. He's one guy. He's there's no way that he's going to be able to service that many. He he told me, Mike, I got to sleep. I shut my phone off. When he's done, he, he just shuts his phone off because he, he's not going to take that many calls. Yeah. Wow, it's absolutely mind blowing. What is it? I mean, what uh, Madison's a pilot now. Yeah, I know. What? Uh, yep. How how many calls do you think an operator can take, like in a given whatever day, week, month? I, I I think conservatively one drone pilot can't do more than three recoveries in one night. Oh, three a night. I mean, that's a lot. That's efficiently. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And that obviously depends on location. Like, there's sure. travel time and stuff. Yeah. Well, imagine like if you're one guy and you're getting ten calls a night. I mean, pfft. wow. Somebody's got to. Somebody's got to do the other seven. How is that possible? I mean, how many are? How are uh, so you're many? You're telling me. How are right? so many people? Like, <laughs> I believe that many deer are getting killed. But how? How? Why is it that that many people need assistance with recovery? Do you think it's? Do you think it's? I, um, I think we've never. I mean, yes, we've heard of people hitting deer and not finding them, but now there's a service that you know somewhat went you know semi-viral, and it's like people are finding out this new way, Boy. and they're like, "I'm gonna do that." Like, so they, I, I guess my 
my question would be, um, is it because people are, I don't want to say this in a mean way. Is it because people are lazy or is it because they're insecure about their efficiency of the shot? I don't know if it's insecurity as much as I wonder if this service is revealing how many people were wounding deer. Exactly. That's what it is. I'm telling you, that's the part that you just said. Whoa. It's how, like, yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always been that way, but that's just how many deer just used to not get recovered. Whoa. You got it. Yep. I'm telling you, it is. It 100% is that. It's revealing all of this that has been happening for years and years. We just didn't know about it. Well, you want to talk about a population dynamic effect at the landscape level. I mean, think about like we just talked to Mike Rex and he's like, what do he say? Last year was the second highest harvest in that Ohio's ever had. Right. But think about previous harvest, you know, prior to guys like Mike and drone deer recovery. How many deer died because they were just never recovered Dude, and checked absolutely. in? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like it is shocking. Like when we're out there doing it and I see my phone blowing up and you know, uh, I over a thousand people that clicked on my profile just since we started. And we just started it three weeks ago, monitoring each click. And it's like a thousand just for mine and all the other guys that are on there. I'm telling you, if we get this data, it's going to be shocking how many deer are actually wounded. Did you? What? You have such an amazing opportunity to collect some statistics that probably nobody has ever been able to. Yes. Are you guys doing? Are you have any kind of effort to put into like what type of weapon is being used? Like, and I run run down the list of like different uh, things. I, I would love to catch all that data, but just the data that we're collecting right now is sometimes more than we can handle. But Dude, I, I would love to. We just to. need to build a, like, a, a, just like an we're, easy we're system. One, Digital digital management dude, system. In, dude, terms of work, so, in terms of working with these states, Mike, there's probably nothing more valuable you can offer other than you know the service that's already being there. What if you could go to these states and say, hey, listen, of these 40,000 people that called us, X amount of them were using crossbows oh, versus bows yep, versus absolutely. firearms. Absolutely. So we, we want to integrate that. Yep. We want to integrate that into our app that we're wanting to build. There you go. So imagine this app that it's, it's drone deer recovery. If, if you need a deer recovered, you go to the app just like you would Uber, but there's going to be more questions in there, right? Compound, expandable broadhead, yep. uh, all that type of stuff. And it'll collect the data and then store the data. And when, when we need to read it, we can go in there and pull it out and be like, okay, this is how many deer you know, were wounded. This is how many were found. This is how many were not found. This is, you know, compound, all, all that stuff that you're talking about. But it has to be easy, right? It ha a computer has to do sure. it because if you try to do it manually, it's Yeah, it's got to be ridiculous. easy. And there's got to be incentive. I mean, you, you might even, uh, you know, build into your cost or offer some sort of a minor discount for answering that service. Hey, here's a $10 off your recovery for... For answering these questions, I mean, yeah. dude, I think people will answer it anyways. It's yeah. just like, yeah, I, I think they, the I think they have to do it as they go through the app uh, yeah. to get a you yeah. know thermal drone pilot out there. Well, you know, and frankly, because it's vital to the recovery, frank to, to sure. knowing how quickly oh, yeah, we should go yeah. after. And yep. so, so, yeah, maybe you just build that into yep. the application process. So, Mike, it, yep. obviously not holding you to exact statistics, but like this year alone, um, you know, what is the percentage of deer you end up finding dead? Oh, not good. I was just talking oh, to the guy God. out of Michigan. Um, I think that right now we're on track to find about 30% of them dead. Wow. Wow. Yep. So Whoa. Saturday, last Saturday, just out of my office, not all the other guys in Ohio, uh, we, we uh, went out and we looked for 11 deer, and we found all of them except two, 
and only four were dead. <laughs> yep. Dang. Like, that's crazy. Well, I mean, you know, think about once you get to a point. Does it make sense to you? Like, just because, like, you yeah, know, if you make a, a, you know, a 12 ring, you don't call Mike and you find right. it. Right. Well, it tells you guys yeah. are fairly effective at blood, you know, recovering. Fairly effective at covering deer that are dead. Sounds like they're slinging arrows. Well, it sounds like guys are more effective at recovering than they are at making good shots. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, maybe not. Just Maybe just from that data. Mm. The people that call you, that may be true. But we don't know how many people are shooting and recovering easily. I, I would argue that uh, I want to believe that how many percentage of people that shoot deer do you think end up calling Mike service? It's got to be less than 10%. So, right? right? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, so here, here's where I was Because you're reading now, guys, that, I'm sorry, that kill the deer and recover it or yeah. that won't pay the recovery so fee. So I, I don't know about Ohio, but remember we talked about Kentucky where I could go into my county during that day and see how many yeah. deer were killed. Yeah. It would be interesting to see that in compare. So to, to Mike's point, if he had 11 people call him, how many deer were checked in that day in yeah, that area? Right. Oh, dude. Yeah. We, Cause now you could see, you could see, okay. What's your market share is basically yeah, the question. A hundred deer were killed and 10 people called me 10% of people, you know, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe it's more shocking than that. <laughs> and then how many people don't call Mike and didn't find it either? Yeah, right. Yep, exactly. Oh, because there's definitely people just not calling because oh. they they don't want that uh exactly. knowing that they it's, wounded a deer. I was just saying it's embarrassing to them. Yeah. But, I mean to almost all should, hunters. It shouldn't be that way. Like after we found Clint's uh buck this morning, like yes, he might get a you know, those keyboard warriors on the backside giving sure. him crap about the shot, but he, like dude, it is bow hunting. Yeah. Things go wrong. Like it's not absolutely perfect every time. Yeah. Hmm. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Hoyt Archery. Oh, dude, it's almost fall. You and I are both going to be in a tree stand with brand new Hoyt bows. We're going to be shooting the RX7 carbon bow this year. I know Hoyt's also got the Venoms out, both equally smooth shooting, quiet bows. Heck yeah, man. We got a convert on our hands this year. We got a lifelong crossbow guy with a vertical bow in his hands for maybe the first time ever, a good friend of mine. And uh, we've got them all decked out with uh, the inline accessories uh, from the QAD integrated ultra rest uh, to the quiver. And also he's got the SL sidebar mount with a couple of stabilizers from Hoyt as well. So that's going to be a sick shooting bow. Yeah. And Hoyt's been cool enough that anyone listening to this can save 20% on any of the soft good apparels online using the code Hunter, H-U-N-T-R, no E. Uh, and if you want to look at the latest lineup of Hoyt bows, check out your local Hoyt dealer. Get serious, get Hoyt. Yeah. It's crazy to think, though. I, I mean, the, you know, when you get into, the, I guess, let me ask this. How many, how many of these guys put in a trailing or tracking effort before calling you? All of them. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, all of them at least go and see the blood. Now, there are a couple that, you know, just straight up tell them, I, I hit them back. And there's absolutely no reason for me to try yep. to go track a gut shot deer. Like yep. if it's in the test sense, like what's what's yep. the point? I don't know where the deer went. Did, you know, did he go uh, 20 yards bed down or did he go, you know, 105 yards and bed down? Mm -hmm. So if you track him up to the 95 yards and then all of a sudden, boom, he, you know, bumps out. So those people, th those people uh, do call us that don't go in because they know it's just not worth it. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, 
I don't even know if I asked the per- percentage split. Are there? Does anybody call you uh, to recover does, or is it a hundred percent of our no. bucks? Yeah, um, hundred percent our bucks. <laughs> I had one call for. Oh, this is nuts. I don't even know. They they shot three does and couldn't find any of them, so they wanted to try to find them. <laughs> That's wild. Was I, there, I, was I said, wait, Jared Prussia? Uh, I, I said, wait, are you? Oh, I find. Are it. you telling me you you guys all shot does tonight and you can't find any of them? Is like, yeah. They're like, well, no, he oh, shot three of them. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, that's crazy. Well, I mean, dude, if you if you figure that statistic of you know how many of the you know that we were blown away by in terms of how many were dead and how many were alive, I mean, I'd say double it. Yeah. Double it, and yeah. they're does, yeah. and they're just not calling because they're not going to spend yep. five hundred dollars yep. to recover a doe. Yep. I, Absolutely, well, that's I, where I, that harvest data that. gets thrown out of out of whack. You know, number one is how many people actually are are doing confirmation numbers. Like I know it's the law, but how many people are actually calling in and checking in their deer? Um, I gotta believe it's pretty good, right? I mean, I know. <laughs> it, wait, yeah, right? let, let's give them the yeah that most sportsmen's are good. So it, I would in, say in Pennsylvania it used to be sub sixty percent. That would check in their animal. And how would you what? check it in? You had to take it in. Somewhere. You had to do a card. You, had to, you, mail, you had to mail oh, a card in. Yeah. Well, I assume the easier it gets, probably the higher it is. So, like, you know, states like yeah, Kansas yeah. and stuff, like it's, an just, app. it's an app check. I it's, mean, a processor won't take it without the confirmation code. Yep. So, you know, assuming most people don't process their own deer, even though we do, but, you know, they they need it to take it to a processor. Huh. That's true. So, yeah. I mean, that that's probably a big barrier of having to do it. Or a taxidermist, um, neither of them will take But it. also, we've heard from quite a few people who don't think they need a hunting license either. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just are like, yeah, I don't need one. It's That's the government suppressing me. Well, I mean, that's probably a <laughs> point of opinion, but sure. there, somehow we have to regulate it, right? Like, we just go kill everything and then, then there wouldn't be a sport. Yeah. Right. Hmm. right. I mean, it happens. Where are you at now, Mike, in terms of <clears throat> like the legality? Like, wh- what's states are you facing issues in which one are you like smooth sailing maybe start with ohio your home state ohio is smooth sailing and i have to give it to mike rex probably for some of that right last year it was not black and white in the law book right and this this year it's absolutely black and white it's like you can use a drone to recover a carcass okay and and it's in there so um ohio i love it i've already gave them a shout out i'll give them a shout out again it's like guys like i appreciate it you guys have jumped on it's it's technology you guys get it that it's advancing and why not support it uh but what we are lacking and i talked to mike about it and we're gonna you know work on it is a good way to regulate it uh to make it easy to enforce a law or when a warden drives past a guy that's flying a drone he needs to have an easy way to figure out what this guy is doing. And uh, so, yeah, that what we're going to probably be working on some type of what, what permit. What do you mean by that? What's, that, what's the purpose? Um, the, the purpose is because I'm a little pissed because I've already seen people negatively using this technology. And, uh, There's your and I got it on claim, video. Jared. I got it on video. And, I'm, I, and I'll tell the guy right now, if he's listening to this, uh, you will be ratted out. And I'm not going to deal with this bullshit. And you, when you're flying your drone, you are going to be a professional about it. And if you don't have a license, you don't have a permit, you cannot fly a thermal drone looking for a a carcass because there are people misusing it. And it's it's all because I brought it to light uh, 
and now people got this idea of of how to use the equipment and it, i i'm just i told mike we have to figure out how to regulate and, and it and when you're talking about a license mike you're talking about what is FAA, what's right? the requirement Through, no, no, no. Through the DNR, just mm. like you have to have a dog tracking oh. license in the state of New York or something like that. Oh, okay. Dude, and you're I'm telling you guys, there's literally hundreds, maybe a thousand people that have went out and bought these drones to do the exact thing that I'm doing. And some of those aren't good people. Uh-huh. And so we need to know who the professional is that is flying out there because if a warden drives past and it's, you know, a guy that doesn't have good intentions, doesn't have a permit, isn't legally allowed to look for carcasses, I think he should be accountable Well, the for intention it. is going to be the hardest of those three to figure out, but, I mean, you're saying there is a license from the OD, you know, a license from the FAA, like the, your, your unmanned drone license, and also you're, uh, you're saying there's an ODNR a permit, basically, to say you can recover That's, carcasses. Yes. Yep. Couldn't he just, you know, go check, say, hey, let me see your licenses, make sure you're yep. legit, just like you're fishing, let me, let me see your license. Yep. Exactly. And another source of revenue for the DNR. Sure. How many how many people right now are um, appropriately licensed by the DNR to fly thermal drones in Ohio? Do you know? No, no, that isn't a thing. I'm saying we want to oh. make... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so the, I'm so saying, that doesn't exist. So You're it's, saying that's it's what we legal, need. It's legal in the rule book to do it, but there is no license and or approval process to say yeah. these are the trained yeah. professionals yes exactly so they're flying exactly. it legally they're just there is no process in place to make sure that they you know whatever no have no met them okay met- yes they are flying it legally but when you put a drone up and you use it for hunting like i have a guy telling me that he did yes that's bullshit so that's, that's not legal that's what jared and i that we don't disagree on it, right? It's Wait, for hunting or for recovery? That's the that's hunting. hunting. He was on the ground with a drone in the air, with a weapon in his hand, pursuing a, an animal he found with the drone wow. while the drone is in the air, trying to figure out how close is he to the animal. I see. Whoa. Complete BS. I like see. I'm like, I'm well, and, and that is the the line, right? Because that's where Jeremy and I have like our own. Dude, uh, deba- I mean, you without even understanding it know that that should not be. Yeah, a it's thing. not. It's not like, right. Yeah. Well, yes, when it's done deliberately, but I also, you know, so the situation, I'm sure you've seen it a million times, would be, I shoot a deer, I think it's dead, or I think it's fatally hit, I call you in, we find the deer, it's, let's say it's bedded up with an arrow in its guts, alive. Okay. Okay? And then, so that's the point there where morally, I think, you have to make a determination or, you know, hey, it's, that's, that animal's going to die. It's just, it's sitting there alive. Okay, yeah, but that's different. Like, you're talking about it going is different. in it is shooting different. a deer after you found it. What I'm saying is having 100%. a drone in, in the sky, 100%. You, you with the coordinates on your phone, yes. and a buddy in your in your ear telling you, yep, you're yes. about 50 yards, yes. keep going. Yeah. Clearly okay, illegal. 30 yards, keep going. Yeah, Clearly no, illegal. That's what I'm saying. Disgusting, okay. honestly. So, but but well, back it up, disgusting. though. Disgusting. And then, and then you, te- you have a guy telling me this shit while I'm right there in front of him. I let him have it. Yeah. Well, so back Ugh. it up though, because we all agree that's clearly, I think, against the law there. You well, know, but 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 why did he do it? Why did he do it then? Like even common sense people know that it's it's not legal. Well, it's why did he? Because he, do he it? it for ego. Sounds, yeah. Ego wants to kill it. He, it obviously, let's say he, he broke was successful. Do what he wanted. Yeah. If, if he was successful in that hunt, he's not going to tell everybody that's how he killed it, unless he's a complete moron. He's going to just brag about killing a big buck. You know what's crazy is like he was. Oh, well, it's no, God. it's no different, That's... dude. Then why do people bait in non-bait states? Because C- they want to yeah, kill cheat. the deer, and they, yeah, they want to cheat. 
yeah, I right? guess. It's no different. It's just I'll do anything I can to kill the deer. Probably. Why, why do people go out and yeah. shoot them over spotlights at night? Yeah. Same thing. It's, it's clearly yeah. illegal, yeah. but I want to shoot a big buck. Cheat in other aspects yeah. of life as well. Yep. But but so dial it back to the guys that are more well-intentioned. And like, so I, we find the deer. It's going to die. I wouldn't even say that. Don't even say it's going to die. You find the okay. deer. It's got an arrow in the shoulder blade. Yeah, it's wounded. Okay. And it's in a location that we could we could go and finish the animal. You know, we could, we could go and kill it and and recover it that is so that's hunting with a drone right if the animal's alive and i use the drone to find it and then go right go ahead no uh, no that's not that's not correct like okay. if you use the drone to find it yeah then you land the drone and then you drive out to your land to go hunt it that is not necessarily and i'm not giving legal advice that is not necessarily using an aircraft in the aid of a hunt because the hunt is Oh, wasn't know, taking Mike. place. The hunt was not taking place while the drone was in the sky. So how much time has to pass? That in is, the state of Ohio, they they are not clear on that. See, that is hunting with a drone to me. If you find the animal with a drone and then, see, there is a period of time because it's like, well, if you let uh, whatever, 24 hours pass, okay. Then maybe at that point I said maybe, you know, enough time has passed or whatever. But certainly if I fly the drone up, I find the animal alive, even if I land it and then I go and kill it, that drone aided in the, the killing of that animal. Yeah, I mean, you could say so. It, which I think is, you've... But then I could say, you know, it's only the information that the drone provided to you. Sure. Well, yeah. But, yeah, that's aiding in the hunt, though, right? Well, see, and but that's why you have well, to Well, you, you could say that your phone aids in the hunt as well. Absolutely. Like you, yeah, that's a that, great point. When you get that picture. Yeah. Oh, no doubt in my Good mind. Good point. No, no doubt. Good point. So, I don't think that's been addressed either. Cell cameras, for sure. Yeah, like finding yeah, the deer. They, hey, oh, I got a picture of him the next day. We know he's still alive. That's interesting. Oh, well, not even that. I mean, here he comes Google down. Map, Google Maps aids in the hunt because you know the coordinates of your uh, you know trail camera. Yeah. Zoom in on. Well, dude, that trail camera is interesting Cell point. camera would be the one. How, so what, how, how, what is the difference there? So between... Hey, I shot this deer. Mm -hmm. I got a picture of him like late at night walking this way with an arrow in it versus. No, not even that far. I'm talking like I'm in the stand or I'm on the ground, right? No, use after the shot because that, that's more comparable. You're saying, yeah, I saw the thing. I rattled it in. I killed it. Yes, that's there's that has its own morality. But after the shot is very similar because that's at that point we're in recovery mode. Sure. We shot the thing already. Sure. We want to try to recover it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. It, it honestly, what you're saying, like you shot a deer and it goes past a trail cam, like you can track that deer based on that uh, you know, direction exactly. it was going. No doubt. That is like, what I'm saying. It, it just happened to us uh, down the road from here. Guy shot a deer, and you're not going to believe where he shot it. It looks like it's right in the boiler room. We're like, there's no way this deer is still alive. You can see it on the trail cam, hole right through it, like and. Um, Deer walked past the trail camera, so he was like, okay, he went down this direction. The neighbor got him on trail cam, and that's where we went. We went down in that direction. Sure enough, we found the buck. He's still alive. Wow. Jeez. See, and that is legal, right, in almost every state that I, I mean, right? So then what, yeah. was, what was the move after that, Mike? Did he go in to try to put a shot in it? No, no. I, I told him the deer's not going to die. Um, there's no need for him to try to go shoot the deer. Uh, yeah. In the beginning, when I would see these deer hit, uh, I would be like, you know, probably try to get another shot on it. But now I've seen so many live that I don't think it's necessary for you to use that information and go get a, put a shot on it. Now in the gut, when the deer is truly hitting the gut and you can see him yeah, rolling, yeah, yeah. Yeah. rolling his head around and that type of thing, if you if you choose to do so, 
you know, that I'm not going to tell you you can't do that. Yeah, I mean, that's not on you, Mike. At that point, you're not advising anyone to do one thing or the other. You've done your job to locate the animal, and now it's like, hey, right. To to our point in discussion— I'm not putting that liability on you either, but I am saying, man, To the hunter. There's an opportunity there to potentially use the information you gain from the drone— as you're bringing up, the same way we would trail camera information, which is super interesting, in an abusive way to to kill that animal, and you're making you're making a a judgment on whether the deer would have died anyways or, <laughs> or not, and also yeah, how yeah. much time, how big of a role did the drone play in in getting the animal killed? I yeah, think those are right. the questions. Yeah, those are the yeah. Like <laughs> I, I used to think about it like this: like if if I'd have hundreds of thousands of dollars to put in trail cams, and you would put them everywhere on your property and you would see him move from one to the next you could start figuring out right where he's going oh yeah for sure right like i and, mean we've got a so we okay, take, here, doesn't so take here he comes he's 200 he's 300 yards away and he ends up over here okay yep got the notification let's go head out he's going to be coming past this thing oh dude it doesn't know. take that many cameras to i mean we've got out. a string in illinois that we could say okay we got him on here pretty soon he'll be here yep there he is when those no move. way yeah, oh, you know it it's like well he's going to be there in 10 no the, the terrain <laughs> funnels them that way it's it's it, it's just you know you wow. can't guarantee it but you're pretty damn sure yep there he is especially you know? on more uh wow what would you call it? Like fragmented, fragmented land where the movement is more. Yeah. You've got a, a, yeah. a Creek bottom or you've got a, a, a string of woodlots and then it's a sea of ag around it. Right. The deer's going to stay close to security. Cover. I mean, dude, I yeah. would say most. So on this farm in Illinois, we don't have an overwhelming amount of cameras, but it's not a giant property either. Seven, six, and the seven. movement is such that it's like, it's pretty predictable, which is cool. Cause you know, we can set up well to hunt it, but if we monitor it with cameras, I would say most times we get pictures of a buck on a camera we get at least one other picture of him on another camera absolutely like, on huh. on that loop mm-hmm. yeah i've i've never uh i've never really uh done trail cam scouting patterning but this year i was lucky enough to pattern a deer on trail cam and was able to shoot it so oh nice congrats uh, it was it was pretty cool what, yeah. what did you shoot uh it was 160 <laughs> 62 or something uh, no big deal no right? big deal <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I mean I don't know what is big nowadays. Like two hundred inch deer seem to be uh, becoming quite regular. We've had a long discussion about this. One sixty is a giant deer, dude. You should be super proud. Yeah, of that. yeah, awesome. I I am. It was the biggest uh, compound buck I ever shot. Yeah, that's a giant, guy. man. Yeah. Well, I you know I think um so let me let me back up on onto the thermal drone side of this. Um, do you guys have any um variation or or success issues? based on cover and or terrain so early season stocks struggle it does it's uh um you know thick canopies it it is very difficult i would if i'd have a dog in the early season um and i don't care about stomping through my woods then i'd probably get a dog early early season but i still find them in very thick canopies it's just not as high uh, as far as like thick brush, that's not really an issue. Like the big issue is these big oak tree canopies that are like, you know, a hundred foot thick, that type of stuff. If you're talking brush, that's 10, 12 feet thick, like autumn olive or yeah. like honeysuckle or something like no that. No problem. Yeah. We'll look through that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then as far as terrain, like hilly, that type of stuff. No, no. How about problem. how we, about like conifers, like pine thickets or or spruce thickets and stuff? We like don't that. have a bunch of that, so I can't speak on okay. that a whole 
ton. Um, I I do find deer through pines, uh, yeah. so it's not that big. I mean, it's definitely more of a challenge, mm-hmm. but uh, it can be done. I know that there's some guys in Alabama right now that have a bunch of uh, evergreens, and he told me, Mike, I'm like, I can't believe how well this actually works down yeah. here. And I'm like, well, that's that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. That's that's kind of well, because I just, you know, you start to look at, like, the different terrains and things like that you have, and just, you know, even where we've found some of these deer, especially these wounded deer, where they try to kind of bury themselves yeah. down in there and stuff. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times, you know, I couldn't tell you the number of deer that I've killed that I've probably walked by once just because of how they were buried, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that definitely happens. Um, I just got a notification from a uh, pilot in another state that found one buried underneath a, a cedar tree this morning. He actually uh, sent me a picture. It's a good deer, so it, it can be done. It's just it's uh, a lot harder to do it. Hmm. And what are you? Um, so let's say I hit a let's say I hit a buck in the evening. Do you try to give X amount of time before you put the drone in the air? Like do you I say, hey, a, let's not... I ask questions based yeah. on your shot, and then I will tell you, um, you know, I think it's okay if we go in there tonight to yeah. try to find him. He might still be alive, or I might just tell you, you know, it's not a big hurry for us to come out right away. We can uh, just push it off till the morning yeah. before the sun comes up and try to come find him. Hmm. Yeah, because I, you know, I mean, I think a lot of guys, the 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 reason they lose deer, you know, with a poor hit is is they push them. Right. They, they panic, yeah. they rush, yep. they push, you know, they're like, yep. Oh, I'll just, you know, let me just follow it a hundred yards more. And then they bump them. And then, yep. you know, those things. So, you know, I wonder how many guys have the patience and obviously even from your side, I mean, the worst thing they can do is continue to bump this deer because oh. that's going to just blow your, your search area out of the water. Yeah. Yep. I usually ask them that question. Did you bump the deer and how often did you bump it? Because, and then I just tell them, you know, how many of them tell you the truth, Mike? Well, a lot of them do. I I bumped them twice. Okay. Well, we probably won't find your deer for you, but (laughs) we'll still come out and try. They're like, okay. Like they, they, a hunter, a serious hunter will do everything he can to try to figure out, you know, where his buck's at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. What I miss. No, we were just we were talking about the cover aspect of things right. and like it's um, tough in the early season. Yeah, and then even he doesn't have a ton there, but we're talking about like pines and mm-hmm. uh, evergreen areas and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, some guys in Alabama are able to to kind of navigate that pretty well. It's mainly it's heat is what you're looking for, right? It's the yeah the, the heat yep. signature. It's a thermal drone. That's the yep. that's the only way or the primary way that you guys find the animals. The only way. The yep. only way. Yeah, yeah. We we were just talking about it this morning to use an RGB camera, which is just a normal camera that you associate, um, you know, on your phone. That's an RGB camera. If you try to use that to scan a woods without snow or anything on the ground and expect to pick up deer, it's not next to impossible. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yep. Uh, Do you guys uh, find blood at all? Like, or no? It's straight to the deer. yeah, I never look for blood. We're only looking for uh, big heat signatures. Huh. Yep, <laughs> that's interesting. How many times do you? Uh, how many times do you find um, coyotes in the vicinity of these deer? Uh, not very often. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, it's happened a few times. Um, that's one thing Clint was worried about on this uh, big buck uh, that we found for him was, you know, he's wounded are the coyotes going to come in and push them out? And it's, it's one of those things that it could happen, but luckily they did not find them. I yeah. think a lot of, I mean, 
given I've had coyote issues before on, on certain deer, especially like a deer, um, I think Emily shot one actually in Missouri. We left it overnight and I mean, they just mauled the hell out of it. But yeah, I think a lot of people freak out about them more than, than they need to. Um, yeah. especially I, mean, I, did, I did get some pictures, um, to, well, yesterday from a, a thermal pilot down in the Columbus area that found two of them uh, just ate up by co- coyotes, but mm. they still had heat for him to find them. I mean, wow. it definitely happens. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. That, that uh, double drop time the dad shot got, yeah, mauled, mauled by coyotes all the way up. But Yeah. Hmm. Well, Mike, you guys are getting into... Uh, like more than just the recovery aspect of it, am I right about that? Like oh the, yeah, there's a, yeah. a whole survey. Yeah, side I would of say the our, our service side is uh, not near. <laughs> yeah, we started out as a service company, but now we are more of a a media company selling drones, uh, and also now getting into agricultural drones and mm-hmm. spraying that type of stuff. So right now, honestly, the big biggest part of our company this time of the season is. Selling drones. Selling them. Absolutely nuts. If you would have told me uh, how many drones we would have sold, I, I would have been like, well, probably not. But yeah, yeah people seen the technology, right? You watch it on sure. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, or whatever, and they're like, I want to do what that guy does. And I made it an easy way for somebody to come buy everything they need without questioning what it is that they need. And, um, you know, add it to your cart. Boom. There you go. You got your drone deer recovery kit. So what is it exactly? Like, so guys can obviously go out and buy these drones elsewhere, right? What are you offering? Yeah. That's yep. Yeah. They could go elsewhere, but, uh, they are coming to somebody that actually physically flies these things and is in the field doing it. I'm not just a, uh, storefront that sells mm-hmm. the equipment. Mm-hmm. Like they know that I use it and I trust it. And so I am promoting this, uh, product. It's not just. I think that's a good product and it says it flies for this long and it flies in rain and this and that. They can see me doing it yeah. and they put put the drone through the test and so I think that's why they're coming. So, so it's probably all the information and the content that goes along with it that they can look at and literally say, oh, okay, that's this is how Mike's using this drone that I bought from them. Yeah, so I can- well, another thing we offer, we don't really push it and we don't advertise that, that we do it, but uh, we give them a whole video library of me walking them through oh, how wow. to set up their drone and how to fly their drone back to them and all these things that we've made. I'm, so I, I guess from, I have a lot of experience and I'm just like, like, wouldn't you know that? And it's like, no, some people have no idea, never flown a drone and yet they go through the videos and watch it and become comfortable. And then they're out flying their own drone. So we offer that to everybody that buys a kit from us. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a huge value. Is it more than just the drone? Are you like, is there a package, you know, where people might not know, well, do I need these certain blades with it? Do I need a certain attachment or? Yeah. So it's, it's a kit. We call it a kit. So it's, it's coming with extra propellers. It's coming with the airframe, the remote, the charger, uh, two extra remote batteries, eight batteries for the drone itself, a landing pad, uh, a, a spotlight. I, I combined it all into one easy way to don't think about it. I'm telling you, this is what you need. That's awesome. And how, so yep. how much is that package running now? Uh, $13,799. Wow. That's less than I expected. Dude, I bought mine uh, a little over a year ago. It was $21,000. Yep. Wow. Have you heard of something lately dropping that much no. in price? No. It's just crazy. I had, I was not expecting it to happen, but there was another company that started building a drone that was somewhat similar, not comparable. I wouldn't even compare them, but similar. Um, and uh, they had to. They had to drop their. Are yours DJ, uh, DJI's? 
Is that what you're using? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or yeah, if it's PGI just a, drones. I wonder if it's just a volume. Like they reached a certain point of production where they're like, well, we can invest in the stuff to make these cheaper or. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Possibly. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Muddy and Stealth Cam Trail Cameras. Cell cams, cell cams, cell cams. What an evolution the industry has seen. And we've experienced personally over the past five, ten, you know, whenever cameras were invented, right? It's like, man, it's totally changed the way that we inventory gear, pattern gear, and ultimately the decisions that we make when we're going out to hunt. They're a serious piece of the puzzle. And, and uh, you know, that information is invaluable for us. We trust the Muddy and Stealth Cams, you know, together to be able to, to collect any of that information. Yeah, I mean... As an admitted trail cam addict, you know, I've definitely been guilty of, of under hunting places or relying too heavily on that information that's come in. That said, it's an invaluable tool to the overall management plan and strategy that I have for my own properties or even hunting public land. It doesn't yeah. matter. We have a finite amount of time in going out and hunting. So when you and I are after a particular class or quality of deer, usually mature buck, we can't waste time hunting an area where that deer doesn't exist. And those cell cams provide that information that allow us to spend the time in the area with the highest chance to accomplish our goals. I say it all the time, man. They can't kill them if they're not there. That's it. So right now, any of our listeners can use uh, code HUNTER20 to get 20% off either muddy or stealth cameras. Uh, we're certainly going to be taking advantage of that, and we hope you guys do too. Yep, check out Stealth Cam and Muddy. So I talked to uh, Madison Raver. We've, we've had Madison on the podcast. He's doing my timber. Yep. I for you. So Madison and I got in the discussion on the ag drones, obviously from a deer grow side. Uh, and there's a new one coming out. I don't know if it's out yet or not, Mike, but I think it holds 30 gallons. Does that sound right? Uh, there are some drones that hold 30 gallons, but I, I don't think that those drones are as efficient as DJI's drones right now. Okay. Which hold about how much? Uh, the T40 right now on the market that you can buy is 10 and a half gallons, but the T50 that's coming and will hold uh, 15 gallons. Uh, but it's not all about how much you can take with you. You can take all that with you, but can you get it all out like yeah. in, in an efficient way with the the battery so that what you is have? That? What's the, what's like, like the spray rate, Mike? So like, how much would you expect to put down per gallon per acre? Uh, so the T40 is, loves to be right there at two gallons per acre. Whoa. It will, it, it'll spray uh, just over five acres in uh, less than seven minutes. <laughs> well, that's interesting. So because, wow. uh, and I, I don't know how much you know about this, but like what, what would be the coverage difference in like most most of our sprayers put out like 15 to 25 gallons. because it's, it's got a lot that of water an, carrier. I, I don't, I don't want to shoot you guys down but it's like that's such an ancient way to spray that it's not even funny because like glyphosate right like you yeah. guys are putting down 15 gallons an acre yeah. and that's what the farmers think that they need to do dude i did some burn down on three gallons an acre and it toast well it's but it's it took because of longer speed. it took longer for it to die but it was toast no it's concentration i think it's concentration so. yeah it's not speed it's concentration. It's yeah, yeah. But 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 guys, it's also another way. So the drones push it down, foliage is blowing around. Right. And coverage. so you're getting coverage. You're getting coverage on areas that you are not getting with a, mm. a sprayer that's just spraying straight down. That's interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah, think about it. I mean, yep. your fifteen gallons on an acre of gly is still just two quarts of gly. Right. So, so that's yes. why I'm saying I don't yes. think it's the concentration. It is the concentration because Mike's just going to put two quarts of gly straight down on an acre. No water. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. The ratio I don't think matters. It's not like you're diluting it necessarily. It's just how much of the product you put on the, the same. Yeah. No, so, I think you are diluting it in some way. You right? are you're, absolutely. 
but you're putting the same amount down on the same amount of acreage. Yeah. I'm still putting two quarts down per acre, regardless just of just diluted my... in water over right. a, a yeah. longer time. And and yeah. how did we come up with that gives you better coverage rate? So because put... the, because the slower you go and the more liquid you put down, I would think that would cover more completely. No, it's it? just because the sprayer can only put out so much at a, at a certain speed at a time. So you That's have That's the other to, big factor. It's like I can't drive 20 miles an hour to right. put down to quarts per acre. Which a drone can. Yeah, without also I having... See. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I was also told I'm not a... I don't know what you call people that are experts on plants. Agronomist. But I, was told, I, I was told that uh, a, a plant's <laughs> leaves feed from the bottom or something. And uh, yeah, if pores. that is blowing mm -hmm. around, right, if the leaf is, like, going up and down and you get glyphosate on the bottom of it, it's, it's, yeah, it's gonna... not going to take a whole lot more to kill it. <laughs> well, you say it takes longer to kill. That doesn't make sense to me. Why, why would that be? I, I, I guess I, I think it's the I think it's because of the water carrier. So, again, I'm not an agronomist, <laughs> but I own a business in the, in the space, okay? Uh -huh. So... Um, the big thing around any kind of herbicide or liquid fertilizer or anything, anything plant-oriented, right, is water is the carrier, mm -hmm. meaning water has to be absorbed through the plant to carry the chemical or the fertilizer through the plant. Is it literally water? Yes. Is it like hydrogen and carbon, or is it liquid it will absorb? It's, it's liquid, but okay. you're not going to put 15 gallons of gly on a food plot, so you use water as the carrier. So in well, Mike's but, but case, why? Is it necessary? Yes. Like if, no, no, no. It's listen, absolutely if my necessary. sprayer can cover, mm -hmm. if I can put, which sounds like way closer to what Mike's doing than what these traditional sprayers will do, if, if he doesn't put any water in it mm -hmm. and he just says, hey, I can cover an acre with two quarts of gly. Mm -hmm. He still needs water to carry carry the chemical through the plant. It's it's a, it's a That's how it gets through the plant. So how, how much water, what is your ratio? How much, so in a... In a so 10 I, the way I Go figure ahead. it out is um, basically if if you figure out your two quarts per acre for your glyphosate, mm -hmm. I and and I've um, 10, 10 acres, mm -hmm. ten times you know two, uh, I add that and then the basically I fill the rest with water. So twenty so, twenty so, quarts, so you're half and half, just so, about. So twenty quarts is what four five acres? Four gallons. No four of, of gly for ten acres. So there's four four quarts in a gallon. Two times or, ten is twenty yeah. divided by yep. four quarts is five gallons or five four, gallons. Five gallons on a ten gallons. So you're fifty fifty. You yep. got half 50, water, 50. half gly. So he has some water some as a water. carrier, just not as much as you have. Right. Which is why yeah. it dies slower. Not even close. So my sprayer puts down set. It's a Femco pull behind yeah. sprayer. Puts down yeah, but the time that it takes you to spray oh, that stuff, dude, like no we're, we're, we're so ancient, it's not even funny. Oh. I did twenty five acres for a farmer. Uh, spraying glyphosate on beans, yep. and he was not, not convinced that it's going to kill it at two gallons an acre. I said, I'm willing to try for you. If it doesn't, I'll come back. And uh, I sprayed five different fields, two five quarts, acre fields. Two quarts per acre is what you mean, right? Well, I, I, always, I, I just go gallon, total solution. Total solution per acre. Per acre. So okay. you had yeah, 10 gallons solution. of solution divided by I five would say acres. Well, two gallons whatever the would be one whatever gallon, the standard which would be four quarts. Four. No, 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 no. Yeah, of gly. What's that? You said two gallons. Mm -hmm. which, yes. And at your rate, it's 50, you're 50 50. So you had a gallon of water, a gallon of gly, correct? No, 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 no. So let's just spray one acre. Okay. Let's just spray one acre. Two Put quarts your two of gly. Quart, 
put your two quarts of clay in there and then fill the rest with water till you have 10 and a, or, you know, what did I say? Two gallons in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. 50, 50. No, no, okay. no. Okay. Two, two quarts is not 50, 50 to when a, with a two gallons of total solution. Okay. So one acre, two quarts. So it'd be one gallon so of total liquid. So for five acres, okay. he's putting in 10 quarts of gly, right? Which is Which what? is how many gallons? Uh, two and a half. Okay. Two and a half. Yep. And then right. he's putting seven and a half gallons of water in to get to 10. Why would you do that, though? Because that's now you're more diluted than our previous Your dilute The dilution is not... <laughs> the dilution is not happening. I can't. Right? I'm, I'm up to it, nine. That's all I can figure. It's the carrier for the chemical. What's the minimum amount of water required for adequate uptake of glycine? Uh, that's according to, if you read the label, the, the minimum that they want you is three gallons per acre for glyphosate. Mm -hmm. uh, three gallons of water. Solution. Solution. Total solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So in that case there, you would need... And it's not It's not that it's not going to work, right? It's just going to go into the plant. And then think of it this way. When you get a rain, right, that pore is going to open back up and it's going to push the yep. solution further through the plant. Sure. Right. Yep. sure. So you, you yep. eventually get the full carrier you need. Yeah. It's just when yeah. you get a quick kill, it's because you basically rained on it with the water to soak it all up. You got Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. That helps me understand it. So in that case, we're saying water is the carrier. catalyst for yeah. for they glyphosate to work quickly. Yes. So the more water yeah. you have, the more quickly it will intake and die. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Same with same with fertilizers. I'm glad we figured that like, out. <laughs> so, so for instance, uh, like we're coming out with a liquid fertilizer. Mm -hmm. And so if I wanted to go out and hit a liquid nitrogen on a food plot, if I don't have enough water to carry that, that plant won't be able to absorb it, and frankly, it'll it'll hurt it. It, it won't yep. benefit it. Right? It has yep. to carry it through to actually be able to me metabolize it. I see. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Very yeah. interesting. So I was doing this. Uh, this you know, it was just twenty five acres for this farmer. I was not in a hurry. Had one one spray drone running into all these different sections of its farm, uh, spraying these beans with uh, glyphosate, two gallons per acre, mm -hmm. total solution. Total solution. And I was like, I want to try it. They they said three gallons is the minimum, wow. and I want to try two. And he called me back two weeks later. And he's like, Mike, I cannot believe how well this worked. It it yep. totally worked. Awesome. And he said it would have took him as it would have took him eight hours with a ground rig to spray his beans. I was not even trying to do it fast with not one only drone. That, imagine I, the yield I, loss of having to drive over all of it. You got it. Yep, absolutely. So. I was not trying to go fast. I sprayed all his acres in like an hour and 40 minutes with oh, one drug. I love that. How much is that going to run me, Mike? <laughs> the, the, the spray kit? Uh, no. to have. So do you come out and spray anybody that calls I also you? want to know about the spray kit, but you asked that Yeah, first. Yeah. So you we will spray, but that amount of acres, it's going to be more per acre, but normal rate is 17 bucks an acre. Plus travel costs. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, none of us probably listen to this podcast have 25 acres that need sprayed, but we probably all need two or three. Yeah, I yeah, that's have, the problem. Like, you just I can't be a custom applicator and come out to spray your acres for even if it's twenty five bucks an acre. It's still not enough to you know drive a truck out there and get your drone out. Right, and do Mike. It. Does that T is the T forty the one that also you can do seed and granular? Yes. Yeah. You you switch out the tank super easy. T forty. That's the yep. That's the drone model. Is it the same drone that you use for recovery that you use for spraying? Can you swap them out? No. No. Mm. So you have to buy two drones, no matter yes. what. 
Mm. Yeah. What's what's the T forty kit running? Uh, the way I've set it up right now, it's thirty three thousand nine hundred. Yeah. Interesting. I've been running a TI eighty three. The old, the old calculator. <laughs> Texas Instruments. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's what I was looking for. Thanks. Um, yeah. I. I mean, from an efficiency side, because the one thing, especially when we get into, well, if we talk about like deer growth, we do plot boost or we do liquid fertilizers. The last thing anybody wants to do is run over their food plots to spray. Oh, dude. I hate doing it. Okay. So what is the minimum water requirement for plot start? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to ask that. I don't, that would be on the agronomist side. Okay. So it's 32 ounces per acre. Because that's a soil Um, contact, not a. No, no, no. Plot boost is. Boost is. is Foliage contact. Uh, I'm telling you that drones will overtake. Uh, all farming industry, even I would agree. on this food on, on this food plot thing, I'm telling you, I don't have the data in front of me. But when you talk about crop damage and running over something, yeah. you can literally figure that out with the width of your tire and the length that you're going. The only thing you can't quite figure out is the turning yeah. of radius of yeah. how much that damages. Mm. So um, plot start would be interesting because because it's soil active. I probably can do straight plot start knowing that the rain is going to activate it in the soil. Mm-hmm. So I don't need a water carrier for it. Okay. I think the water carrier is only for foliar So in the drone, sprays. you would just go straight. Foliar feed. Yep. Yeah. Plate, straight Something plot that's start. going to feed through the full. Yeah, I would full. go straight two and a half gallons per acre. So in, in Mike's case, I could do four acres of, of food plots. And would you say how many? How long did it take you to do? How long would it take you to do four acres of food plots? Uh, I don't know, maybe four to seven minutes. Holy shit! Uh, My so wife wouldn't it, divorce it, me anymore. Is that all manual, Mike, or or how are you like ridding? The no, field? no, no. You, if you're flying manual, you're not doing it right. You yeah. just tell the drone what to do, and it's going to be accurate within inches. So, and how does that work? How do you program uh, the drone? It's all programmed in uh, in the remote, uh, but you start on your phone, building boundaries on your phone, and then that'll upload to the cloud, and you download that to your drone remote, and you, you put it in there. You tell it how fast you want it to fly, how high you want it to fly, and how many gallons per acre you want it to put down. Okay, and it, okay, it'll, how much? It'll stay right there. Amazing. Okay, how much does one of these cost? Thirty-three thousand. A spray rig. Yeah, Thirty-three. Yep. Whoa. Thir- 33900 I think, is what it is. Sounds like Deer Grow needs to invest. Is that a write-off? I'm telling you it guys, is a write-off. It's, it's going to be crazy. Yep. That's awesome. I actually yeah, they're did. only going to get better. So the ag drones are advancing very quickly. Um, and the what kind of sucks about ag is you invest in the equipment that's really good now, but then next year they come out with yeah. one that's just slightly better. But it's not like the old ones completely go away, like a T40, right? If a T50 comes out, yes, I'm going to invest in them. But my T40s aren't trash. Right. They just won't work as good as a T50. And they continually op- oper- uh, update the software, I assume. Yeah, you have to process uh, faster and that type of thing. Yeah, when we were first flying the T40s in Indiana, it was pathetic, the reception they had. But with an with some type of firmware update, the reception got better. So yep. I, I don't know. How it's to already do that. built in the hardware. I mean, dude, I would imagine you could establish like quite a quite a business, like a, a network around working with co-ops to like train people out there oh. with drones. Like, dude, if I had dude. the option to go to my local co-op, <laughs> so right now I, I rent a thing from them that I pull and you know wreck half the time. It damages my vehicle, <laughs> and if I could just go there and say, hey man, can I? 
I'll pay you whatever the fee would be then. The same way you're offering a service to come recover deer, I could call my local co-op and say, can you come spray these food plots for me? And instead of saying, it's well, coming. I can't get a lime truck back there or, you know, you're not a big enough, you know, sure, we'll be there today. Yep. We'll we'll do it. It's coming. I'm telling you. Wow. But think about even yeah. like uh, we were just talking about our 30 acre CRP field. Think about being able to switch out to the seed tank and switch grass seed 30 acres in what, 20 minutes or less? Oh, yeah, just in and out. It, you it's said why it's it? like almost silly oh. when you're talking about it has the capability know, of any, anything from two acres to, you know, 100 acres really Holy is not God. that much. For so you're drone. seeding as well as spraying? Yes, yeah. How yeah, does that work? Crop. It just has a spinner? New tank? Yes, as a spinner, you tell it how many uh, pounds per acre you want to put down, <laughs> and you, you calibrate that whole thing, and then when it's calibrated, it will fly. It, it will know how fast it, can fly because it won't fly over that if it can't produce that many pounds per acre. Amazing. Like the, Purely it's, broadcast. It's all computer. Purely yeah. broadcast. Yeah, it's, it can't troll anything. Yeah. Obviously. No. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Unless you take your drone and you smash yeah, the thing into the ground. <laughs> well, I, I drilled that drilled that one right there. <laughs> um, when's that? Is that T50 out yet? No. They, we've been told it's coming in spring, but... It, you take that with a grain of salt because things coming from China could be delayed for a long time. Mm. That's amazing. It is amazing. When you sit on top of your trailer and you watch these drones out there doing their thing, it's like, dude, this is the future. Like They're pretty, I mean, they're pretty no, big, no risk. though, right? Like, I mean... Oh, yeah, they're about 12 feet. Like, think about this. Insurance companies got to love this because... It's going to take down the risk of insuring airplanes, sure. killing people that are flying these airplanes and helicopters. Here's another thing that you have to think about. Like, the FAA is about regulation and, and safety, right? It's about yep. public safety. When an airplane comes ripping across the highway at 120 mile an hour, pulls up on the other highway, makes a 30-degree bank turn and comes back down, you don't do that with a drone. Mm -hmm. You just go to the highway, turn around. Yeah. Go right back where you just came from. Is there a lot of that still, like flyover uh, spraying? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Row crop. Row crop is always sprayed on with aerial application. Wow. There's now there's high clearance sprayers like Haggies and stuff yeah. like that. But, but majority of row crop in the country is done aerial. Here's kind of a weird question. Do you guys spray uh, herbicide with pivots? Can you? Huh, that's a good question. Like, can you just know. hook your hook, hook, like feet, like just like a the soap <laughs> line know. on a pressure washer? Probably. I bet that I bet that's a uh, corrosive yeah. with inside of those. Same yep. with like the fertilizers in it. I I yep. mean, very possibly they do it. I don't know. I don't think glyce corrosive uh, calcium it's not? certainly is. I don't. All think that salt? nitrogen is. Is there salt in glyphosate? Oh my gosh! I thought that it's, it's mostly salt. I don't know. What Nick? What's it taste Nick? like? Nick, yeah, I, do a Google search on that. I think so, it's well, it's forty-one percent glyphosate. That's the pure active ingredient. So, what is the remaining, you know, fifty-nine percent? Yeah, well, it's glyphosate made up. So, Wa water, uh, I would think, right? Yeah, I don't know, Mike. The question I have is, when you are doing the aerial applications, how how high up is the drone from the from the field? Uh, Fourteen feet is kind of its bread and butter, but you can come down if you want. Uh, it also depends on um, what your terrain is like so if you got a bunch of deep hills and this type of stuff the drone's gonna if it's flying at 20 mile an hour and yeah. it's not processing fast enough that hills are going to become an obstacle to it and it's going to stop so 
you spray it based on what is best for the aircraft. So mm-hmm. if it's going to stop and cause issues, you're just going to have to fly it a little bit higher because if you think about this, like we were doing stuff for the ODNR doing invasive species control and uh, we were doing some crazy stuff there in, in areas that an, that an airplane, a helicopter would be way up just for safety reasons. But these drones, like you can, <laughs> you can make them do some crazy things. Uh, what was the question? Sorry, I got kind of sidetracked. Just the, how the high height. you have to be. Yeah, yeah. the height of the field. Ha- height. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So if if it if terrain's going up and down, the processing speed of the drone might not recognize it fast enough that that is the hill going up, and it might think that that is a obstacle. So then it'll stop. So if I'm flying at 14 feet, I might bump that up to 18 feet just to get it to clear those obstacles. Yeah. Mike, did you yep. see that? Uh, I'm intrigued. That that <laughs> clip about uh, I've always dreamed of like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory type elevator to drop me off at the at the tree stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has anyone else proposed that to you? Uh, yeah. Yep. Didn't you pick I, up? I, what did you pick up on? I saw it on Instagram or TikTok. Did you pick up a deer carcass? I yeah, I was roadkill. Yeah. Yeah, you could easily do that, right? You could pick up Nick. Probably could. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. How much? How much can it hold? What, I mean, what? What? Uh, what's the drone? Is it? Is it the TI forty one or whatever that you use for like a carrying capacity? That'd be the. Yeah, it's the T forty that I used T40. to pick up that deer. Um, I maxed it out just testing, see what it can pick up, and it picked up 158 pounds, but I would not uh, maneuver with that. How much does ten gallons of water weigh? And Goliath. Uh, I think while get water weighs eight gallons of uh, eight, pounds, or eight a pounds a gallon. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be eighty pounds. But dude, I was spraying some stuff that was like mineral, had mineral in it. It was some type of foliar feed, organic stuff. Yeah. Whew, some of that stuff gets a right. lot heavier than I was eight gonna. Pounds. I was gonna ask, like, obviously for um, like if you spray something like that with our sprayers, we change out nozzle heads, right? Is that no? That yeah, that's not a thing with we the forties. Yeah. What are you yeah, supposed so, to do? You change out nozzle yep, heads? Yeah. For what? For finer or yep, yep. thicker. Well, I yep. only have one set. So <laughs> so when you get into spraying, it's your droplet. You can yes. choose your droplet size. It's called like microns. What microns do you want to spray? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so the lower the micron, the the finer the mist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so you can adjust that all on the fly. Like let's say you're flying in your you know, 90 microns. That's... a extra fine but it's going to get more droplets in areas that otherwise wouldn't get there so the finer you can get the better application you're going to get but the finer you go the more drift you're going to get as well so you just got to watch that as a pilot like how much drift am i getting if it's too much drift you know, take your mic micron up, and you can just do that with a snap of finger. Is up there? Well, I assume, and you may not have knowledge on it. Like, <clears throat> what's the maximum acreage you can do with the biggest drone that exists right now? The maximum acres uh, per hour, per uh, battery life, per per I don't know fill up. Well, no, it'd be per fill up. Like, you can only put ten gallons in it. Yeah, right? you can only. Yeah, you can only if you're spraying two gallons total solution. You can only get a little over five five acres five acres at a time so i mean are they yeah is there how how big of a hindrance is the fill-up process that they would you know want to engineer a drone that can fly 25 50 acres at a time they will continue getting bigger but the biggest thing right now is trying to figure out the batteries how much energy can they shove into one battery without hindering the weight that it can pick up 
Um, well, because you're talking but, about, you know, a 25-acre field is fairly doable. You fill up, you know, four or five times. But, like, you know, in the Midwest. Dude, dude, it, dude that you, only takes a, a, um, a second. I can I can land a drone, have it back in the air in 45 seconds. Filling yeah, up and uh, putting a battery in it. Okay. Yeah. I, guess, I was going to ask how often do you have to change out batteries on those flights? Every seven minutes. Every seven minutes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So if I spray a five-acre field and I am very close to the field, I'm not ferrying a long way. That you, you as a drone sprayer will become very good at learning how to manage energy because it's all about like Got being it. efficient, managing your energy. Because mm -hmm. when the drone is full, that sucker is using battery. And I mean, you can just watch the percentage go down, like tick, tick, tick. So if you're flying a long way with a full tank of, um, you know, product, you might not get it all off, like dumped out by the time yeah. you have to return. Is battery? So now you have to think about it. Now you have to think about it. If I go over there and I don't get it all off and I hit 20% battery and I still got two gallons of yeah. fluid still in it now i gotta carry that fluid back with me now right. you're gonna use even more energy because you have to bring the fluid back so right. does it make sense to not take as much fluid get it all out and then return empty mm -hmm. and not using as wow, much battery seven minutes is battery the most efficient like power source like you know what would be some alternative like nuclear power like <laughs> di diesel gasoline like yeah so we were just talking about yesterday why don't they use little gas engines on them yeah. and the problem is they can't you can't do that and have independent uh motors right mm -hmm. like if you do one engine you need one engine on each prop okay um or you have one engine and you have shafts going out but how do you change when it stops and it rotates and it goes the other way like how how are you going to do that without ecus and different motors doing different things well, what would be the difference? It'd just be a fuel supply, right? Like the, the no, moat? no, like one prop will slow down and the other will speed up to get it to turn because I see. Uh, and it need, would can, need a different, well, couldn't you have like, uh, interactive is maybe not the right word, but like basically smart fuel pumps. Like, so, Hey, we know this, this prop or this motor is pulling at a certain energy, different energy level, just like it feeds battery intelligently. Couldn't you design a fuel pump that's that you know is injecting fuel at that rate? I I'm gonna say n probably not, or that's the direction they would have gone if they think it's more efficient and a better way to do it. Because <laughs> I think of the lag on diesel or or gas engines is slight. Power is instant with well, my, battery. What about uh, like a helicopter? Is probably the closest, right? Aren't there helicopters with multiple props? No, it's it's not closest to the drone. I mean, it's similar. You it fly you. What's your closer? Brain your brain register yeah. a drone as a helicopter, but it's not. Uh, a, a helicopter has one rotor, and that rotor is controlled by a tilt. There are little remote control spray, like helicopters, but they're not like these drones that have a quadcopter. Uh, quadcopter. Where, there are helicopters with multiple props, correct? I'm sure there are. I have never Nick, seen a, a helicopter. Google with, that. What's that? Helicopter helicopters with, with more than one prop. Uh, duels. Yeah. On, like like the you're talking about, like a Chinook. Yeah, like a Chinook. Like, <laughs> like a Chinook. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So what, why are you saying that? For well, We're trying to figure out, like, we're talking about alternative energy sources for drones, and why don't they use gasoline? And that led us to, well, you know, helicopters use gasoline. Why how is the te technology different? And, and so Mike's saying, uh, you know, the, the power source Prop is such, energy. Right. 
because it's it pulling it different. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What, so which I proposed like a, a smart fuel injection system to like to 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 achieve that with gasoline. What do you think, Nick? Helicopters with more than one prop? Uh, yeah, it says a tandem rotor aircraft is an aircraft yeah, with too not. large. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, I want. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sure but that's are, obviously not standard. I mean, yeah. most helicopters have uh, you know, a, the main Single. rotor and then well, a but they're rotor. doing it. The technology exists at least for that. E- even a regular helicopter, ha- Mike has a rear prop. I know it's not doing the exact same thing, but yeah, the tail. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You can get little <laughs> helicopter sprayers, but uh. It's they. I don't think they're as f- efficient as these drones are with battery. Maybe not. Hmm. Well, yeah, and I mean, I guess I, when you start to go down the drone path, like rewind to whatever, <laughs> you know, five years ago, and like, yep. the, the creation of drones was based on small drones and batteries. Right. So, yep. like, you know, maybe there are drones yeah, out it's there. It's like with, I tell people on the Phantom, right when DJI released the Phantom, yep. that that thing without a camera was a big old square drone. Yep. And the thing lasted for 10 minutes without any camera or anything. Yeah. Now our cameras, DJI produces a little drone this size that'll fly for 30 minutes, has a camera and has all this stuff. It's just, it progresses with time. They figure out what works better. How long's the thermal drone last? Uh, I tell people if you go from 100% battery to 0% battery, you could probably get 40 minutes out of it. Oh, wow. But if you go from 100 to 20, you're 30 minutes. Yep. So it is the weight and the energy that it takes to literally, that's what's draining battery. Yes. I mean, the size of the the T-40 is enormous. Like, it is an an enormous drone. Well, it is. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just, measured across, it's 11 foot, 6 inches, or 11 foot, 8 inches. Well, but just compare that to, like, I'm looking at, like, the amount of money invested in the size of the equipment that's used to spray stuff currently. I mean, it's not a small business. Like, you know, this is... Uh, I mean, those uh, those high hundreds, sprayers hundreds are hundreds of millions of, of dollars. Those high sprayers are hundreds of thousands of yeah. dollars. Yeah, yeah. I think a, a high clearance haggy, the farmer wouldn't tell me what he paid for it, but it was, it was over a half a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he can a only go spray. Dollars? Yeah, yeah. He can only go spray his uh, fields if it's you know fit to go in, like not muddy or Dry. anything like that. Mm-hmm. I could set him up with a complete spray rig with like a trailer that we're designing and two drones that can spray all his acres up to 500 acres per day for a hundred thousand dollars. Totally. Like if, if you start, if you start doing wow. the numbers, these farmers will without a doubt, 100% have their own drone spray rigs. Yeah. It makes sense. Amazing. Mike, uh, Mike, I assume you need, see, this is where I'm going. Cause I'm already thinking about, it. I assume you need two people to lift that thing out of a truck. No, uh, really? No, it folds up. So yeah. the T forty folds up. You get behind it. You kind of rotate it up, and you back it out. Could when make, the battery is in it? in it, it's not super heavy. I think it's. Well, I guess it depends on how big a muscles you got. But it's Jared's like big. Pounds. As I said, could could Nick do it by himself? Probably yeah, not. Eighty probably pounds not. is what it, they it weigh. It'd fall on him like the air conditioner and uh, Happy Gilmore, <laughs> and the lady would be like, "Get pounds. this thing off of me!" I could probably do eighty pounds. Eighty pounds? Yeah. Mm, yep. I don't know. That's like three quarters of your body weight. <laughs> You're bust, bust a nut. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm super interested in it. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. The ag gets me fired up. If yeah, I could talk ag for a long. Well, time. the the versatility of um obviously for me deer grow and then chemical spraying, but then you add in broadcast seeding, um and you know dry fertilizer if you want. Um, oh yeah. There's lime. A, you can do pelletized lime as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge application there. And again, for for 
we talk about it all the time. I mean, the thing they're not making any more of is time. Like sure. the <laughs> amount of time that I spay, spray, like spend spraying Gly and then broadcasting yeah, I mean, it's like and spray, like mowing uh, your lawn. It's a major inconvenience. Holy cow, man! Some, hey, do you have a drone that can cut <laughs> I'm my just grass? Just gonna glyphosate my lawn every. I pay, yeah. I'm, paying, yeah. I'm paying a kid seventy five bucks every time he cuts it. If you can save me some money, I'll, I mean, I'll give you dude, a one time. I'm telling cost. you, like I probably I couldn't tell you. <laughs> We're gonna how revolutionize much, the lawn mowing industry. I couldn't here. tell you how much time I spent. You know. <laughs> Spraying and seeding. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm telling you, dude, I could cut that probably uh, less. Well, sh- crap, less than half. Easy. Yeah. Easy. And, pro- and probably, well, maybe not save money, but I mean, dude, think about, you know, the standard for food plotters. Like, you got to buy a ranger or some sort of UTV. You got to buy the sprayer. You got to spend money to go out to the thing and then the time to do it. I, I was going to say, guys, you got to pull up my video of me spraying my three small acre uh food plot i did it on purpose just to show people like how it works like it's almost embarrassing how quickly you can spray wow your it it doesn't quite make sense to buy one just for three acres but it's so quick i mean i i travel a lot so i usually have to pull my ranger i have to pull my sprayer with it right so i've got a trailer that i'm pulling that stuff and then um, in a lot of my farms, sometimes like where I'm at, water access is hard to because we're filling up a 60 gallon thing. Whereas if I have a hundred gallon water buffalo, which I have in the back of my truck, like if I use that to continually fill up my drone there in the field, I'm like crap, man, I could be a lot more well, mobile. The, those are the inconveniences, I guess, of it is it's like they, they don't hold a whole lot, so but you have to reach out applying much less per acre, and they don't last much longer. Yeah, but you're applying, less, yeah, so that makes up because I mean. Uh, I only get four acres out of my 60-gallon pull behind. Yeah, I right. would smoke anybody that tries to do it with a ground rig. I don't care. I I, I fly that drone a three-quarter mile away, spray a field, and come back and have to fill up four times and probably still beat you on the acres. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you would. Yeah, I bet, you, bet it would. Well, it's just, it's frankly just the cost barrier to entry. I mean, yeah. m- most people aren't going to spend $30,000 to save themselves. Yeah, like, but what you pay for your ranger? At, at a small scale, I say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You're absolutely right. Yeah, pay for your Ranger. Uh, well, and a half million yeah. bucks for your big deal. So, I mean, that's where it's yeah, like, there's obviously. A okay, yeah, commercial yeah. sense makes yeah, yeah. commercial yep. sense. Huh. I agree. Huh. Yeah. That's awesome. Ag, ag is where, where drone, like drones and ag will be the biggest industry I think we'll see uh, change what? in the next three to five years. I mean, anybody listening to this from a food plot side is like, yeah. So, you know, obviously, I assume you guys are going to charge more per acre when it comes down to a food plot because I've got whatever, five or six or seven oh, acres yeah, at the yeah. most. What, yeah. I mean, 100 bucks an acre? Less than that? Like, what, you know, what uh, do you think? I guess I haven't quoted anybody, but uh, Quote I'm, me. I'm sure if I have to travel out there, I'm probably not going to do it for much less than 500 bucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can hardly do anything nowadays for. Right, yeah, but still, I mean, that. that's where I'm looking at it is like if you've got, you know, let's say you got 10 acres of food plots, right? You know, I basically would have to have you come out 33 times to buy the rig. Well, I I'm, <laughs> almost feel like I have to say, like, Mike, don't forget about us food plotters. Because, like, dude, the commercial side of it is so much bigger probably than, oh, yeah. than the food plot business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't, I mean, it's don't li- forget about It's us. livelihoods on one side and just hobbies and passion right, on the other. Right, right, Yeah. I love uh, Do that, you know though. what I thought about starting? Mm. Uh, is a corn service delivery with a drone. Holy did you shit. See, <laughs> did you see me deliver that corn? No. What you didn't see it? Uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> so, you, yeah, you filled up the, I can, uh, the drive. I can drop a 
Oh yeah, I can uh, I can drop a hundred pounds of corn in a few seconds. Just give me a coordinates where I'm going, and it'll be right there. No scent, nothing. <laughs> I can fly it there, drop it off, and there you go. It's Jared's worst nightmare. Crazy. <laughs> uh, that's wild. <laughs> I know. Well, it's happening anyways. Whether people are saving money on it or not, doing it more efficiently, it's. That's uh, crazy. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Muddy. Man, Jared, we probably have been using Muddy products for at least 10 years now. It's a long time, dude. It's been a long time. And I can remember when it was simply just safety harnesses and camera arms of all things. And, you know, that's evolved to where you and I both have a bunch of Muddy box blinds as well. I would say a bunch. But, yeah, they, they've come a long way. And certainly the box blinds are, are huge. Shot that buck over your shoulder out of a Muddy box blind a couple of years ago. The harness and, and all of the other safety accessories really are, are a major component of, of what muddy offers for me um you know we've had some injuries in the past you know some, some tree stand accidents this, this is all back before we were using uh you know frankly harnesses mm-hmm. uh the lineman's belt while we're hanging stuff and the safe lines i have those in every single one of uh you know our fixed tree stands now and uh so we really have made safety a priority uh that that's a big deal for us and uh you know muddy has everything we need for that yeah and i think uh the cool thing about muddy is anyone listening to the hunter podcast can save 20 percent using the code HUNTER20, that's H-U-N-T-R-2-0. Uh, anything that you can see on the Muddy Outdoors store online, use that code, save yourself 20% for this hunting season. Go Muddy. Uh, Mike, you guys are getting into, or have been into for a while, like, what what is the survey side of, like, are you guys you know, so off season stuff or even during season stuff? Like, are there, because Mike Rex brought that up yesterday in terms of, like, doing surveys. Yeah. Yep. So we, we call it a, a herd analysis, but according to a biologist, he said it'd probably be better to call it a deer census. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that means, but... Uh, same, same. Yeah, we, we call it a herd analysis. Basically, we'll fly your property uh, in a grid pattern, count all the deer there, give you an antler versus antlerless count, and data that is... I don't know how to prove it but i would say it's like 99 percent accurate how about in terms of like size or age class like what what information is the i consumer don't i'm not with? a biologist and i can't read deer like i that. know you can't but uh, like what can you provide the person who's paying for that service to say to make an assessment on either of those two things are, are they pictures of the deer are they oh yeah i mean videos what whatever you, you see go. on my uh youtube videos right you can see the deer and You'd make, have make to pause it probably that. and try to zoom in and see if you can figure it out. If if you want me to look at every deer yeah. and get, you know, I'm going to have to get a little closer, zoom in probably and do this and that. But that that's not really something I was doing. Um, I would probably charge more if that's gonna, what it's going to be. Sure. But uh, for the most part, it's just flying, you know, grids going down and back and counting, dropping pins where the deer are and then telling you, wow. hey, I count it, you know, 100 doe and 60 bucks. I don't mean to Whatever. ask on everyone, but I'm intrigued by every single one. How much, what, what would that cost me? Uh, it depends on acres and mm-hmm. how those acres are laid out. So is it uh, hilly yeah. with all timber or is, you know, do you have a thousand acres and only, you know, 600 of it is timbered? And is that 600 hardwood timber or is that 600 pine tree timber? So there's a lot of variables. Let's say um, I got a hundred acres, 50, 50 timber and tillable. Oh yeah, four hundred fifty bucks. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's not that's not that hard to do. And then, are you only flying that in the summer, so the velvet shows, or how for antlers, or how how are you doing that? No, I'm doing that uh, when the leaves drop, and then I zoom in to see if it has horns or not. Wow. Just like I do now. Does it matter? I mean, could you do both? Could you do in the summer and the summer? No, because I'm could not you... going to feel comfortable with the number I give you. Because 
because there's too many other places for them to hide that I can't see them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, the so foliage the, is so this is foliage this is, is like a postseason. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I got guys that are wanting to do it right now, and I'm like, doggone, how am I going to figure this out? We're in the heat of drone deer recovery. And yeah. Now we got to go count deer on thousands of acres. I mean, I, I'm not complaining. Right. Like, sure. Good problem to have. You're paying me to come count deer flying drones. Like, that's amazing. I would have never thought that that there's yeah, a business for that. But, but, but no, there I mean, is. Good yeah. for you. It'd be cool. Like, that, that place I'm getting, Madison's timbering down in uh, southern Ohio, 230 acres post season when all the timber and treetops are down see how many deer filter back into there yeah let's do it i i think we're gonna do something with madison cool yeah that'd be awesome hmm. cool yeah well mike why don't you leave us with um you know if anybody's feeling that way i want to get a hold of some you know i want to get a hold of somebody to come find a deer to come spray my field or i want to get involved with drone deer recovery what are the steps that we can take yeah so um the, the new company is called New Way Ag, spelled N-U-W-A-Y. That's for the agricultural side. If you want to talk to me about ag stuff, uh, you can still call the drone deer recovery number, and I'll try to make time to talk to you about it. Uh, during this season, it's a little tough to talk ag right now since we are into drone deer recovery. Yeah. Uh, but if you need a deer found, go to dronedeerrecovery.com to find a pilot near you. And then as far as uh, we're not really, like, having anybody join our personal team at this time, we will roll out a certified program at some point. Um, but you can get most of your information on recovery.com And then um, all our social platforms are the same thing. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook is Drone Deer Recovery. Right on. I'll probably be talking to you about a agricultural drone at some point here. <laughs> All right, Mike, we'll let you go, man. I know it's a busy time of year, so we appreciate you taking time for us this morning. And uh, one of these days, we'll get you out here in person. I know you, you've offered to fly in a couple of times, but <laughs> maybe not this time of the year. It's the busy season. This is the Dog busy gone. season. I was so. gonna, I, yeah, I, I was definitely, definitely going to do it uh, today, but with trying to finish that story, and I, I think that that will be one of our best stories yet uh, coming that we did last night and then finished this morning. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate uh, even the remote. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Alrighty. Hi, okay. Everybody. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Woo. Old Yoder. Some interesting talking points there, though, in terms of um, obviously everybody on the same page of like using the thermal drone to like actually stalk and hunt a non wounded animal. No, no. It's a, obviously a no no. Yeah. That's hunting with a drone. Um, and using it to find and re recover a dead deer. I think we're all perfectly fine with that. The problem with it is you don't know that until you f find it, have gone through the recovery process and find it still alive. Yeah, and then now that hunter has the information and the location to make a decision of whether to then go in there and shoot the animal, which is hunting. And it's one of those things where it's like you know, it's uh, you have to draw the line somewhere. You have to you have to make a law mm -hmm. to protect how you know how people do that. Mm -hmm. But you know. There also are going to be circumstances where it's not ethical to not go recover that animal. Sure, you know it's it's there. It's clearly you know it's suffering. It needs it needs another arrow. Well, I mean that's uh, I don't know if it's ethically or or morally. Like I mean if a if a deer is gut shot and you find it and it's still alive but barely and it should you know morally be put out of its misery. The fact is is from a a hunting ethics standpoint, if you leave that deer alone, it will die there. 
so it's it's the moral side of putting an animal out of its misery versus the legality and the the maybe maybe it won't die like in a I mean, dude, there's definitely a case where you shoot a deer and it's it, it will die eventually, but it could be a month. Sure. Y- you know, maybe that's not a majority of hits, but like, well, okay, et- so ethically, let's say, let's... ethically, you need to put another arrow in the thing. But legally, so a very similar circumstance would be, um, you know, going out and finding a deer at night. So you shoot a deer in the evening. You go out a few hours later, like 10 mm-hmm. o'clock midnight. You recover the, you, mm-hmm. you find it still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what do you do? It's illegal to shoot that deer at night under spotlight, you know, in most Headlamp, states, you know, pr- pr- yeah, frankly, the laws seems like pretty gray around it. But I believe that would fall under the category of shooting a deer under spotlight, regardless of if you've shot yeah, it well, morally, you, you should put the deer out of its misery. Even more crazy is like in Pennsylvania, you shoot a deer on a Saturday, recover it on Sunday, find the deer still alive. Can't shoot doesn't it. matter that it's broad daylight. It's you can't hunt Sundays in Pennsylvania. You have to leave it. By law. Ethical? I don't think so. No. Well, legal, yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think also so. Case in point, you said you know maybe that deer would die a month later. I mean, at that point, I would say your hit wasn't lethal. It is lethal. I mean, that's what killed it. I mean, in what time frame? Does it matter? The, uh, did the hit kill it? Did the bacteria kill it? Like gangrene killed it because of the hit? Like I, I don't. Well, okay, dude. Let's use wise wide boy as an mm-hmm. example. So you shot that deer in the shoulder. Yes. Okay. Uh, it lived another year plus year plus. Mm-hmm. So I would say my hit, hit wasn't lethal. Okay. So if we hit that deer mm-hmm. and rather than doing what we did, which was sit in the ditch and eventually bump mm-hmm. it again, mm-hmm. let's see you back down and say, Hey, I know it's not a good hit. Mm-hmm. Calling a drone and mm-hmm. we find it mm-hmm. and it's bedded up with an arrow in its shoulder or mm-hmm. the arrow and mm-hmm. broke off or whatever. But you know, you're like, dude, that's, that's At him. that point, you have a decision to make. Is that a lethal hit or not? I would assume, based on Mike's response, that the majority of guys go in and shoot that deer. And the, it, you, it begs the question, is that the ethical thing to do? Because that deer eventually died from that shot. I think it's the ethical thing to do. Right. I don't think it's the legal thing to do. I know that it's not legal to do that. Because mm-hmm. that's hunting with a drone. Mm-hmm. Agree. Those are the tough situations. I mean, dude, you, you got 180 inch deer hit out there that may, it may or because you don't know it could have easily have died the next week. Maybe you got maybe you punctured a lung, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, I think it, I think ethically, that deer laid up and and looks like it's hurt. Now, given if it's like high or like that deer like stands like he's looking around and stuff, like I don't. Mm-hmm. I think at that point that's not that's so what, not an ethical. So what we're approach. all admitting is like. Th- this scenario requires a judgment call when the animal's spotted. There's plenty of deer that are that are hit that will not die. It sounds like most of them. Yeah, most of the ones that they get called. Well, on. to your point, do they die a month later? I don't know. They don't die within the time frame of finding them. Yeah, and that's not a, I'm not, that's not a majority of deer. I think a majority of deer that get hit lethally die within 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I would assume most people give up within less than 24 hours of finding them. Maybe, for sure. I don't know. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys put in a lot of effort to. Yeah, they do. Ten percent. The ten percent no, of guys a lot that of guys are, are grid searching and stuff. The ten percent of guys who are very like hardcore hunters. We've talked about this before. That's no disrespect to the ninety percent sure. of the general hunting public, but the ten percent of guys, especially for a buck or a big buck, will will look hard for it. Yeah. The ninety percent of guys, they don't find blood. They're done. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, you may be right. A hundred percent. I know. I mean, well, I'm right. frankly, that's like our qualm with the fixed blades. Is we're like, man, 
I know I'm right in that situation, which is angering, yeah. right? But yeah, yeah. if they go and look for blood, I know people that do it every year. Yeah, I hit them, but couldn't find any blood. Well, Agreed. how'd you look? Would you? Do? Well, no, I didn't have I didn't have any blood, so just just no blood at impact, so backed out. <laughs> it's not a gun. Yeah. It's yeah, a big problem. Pretty crazy. I mean, well, it's a problem on both ends. It's a problem that these deer aren't getting recovered. I would assume that it could increase the the actual harvest of the deer by at least fifty to sixty percent. What could? The amount of deer that are being hit and dying and not found. It would increase the. If if you harvest it, if Ohio no, harvested, it would increase the recovery, but it would decrease the harvest. No, no, no. The total number of deer reported by Ohio is like four hundred thousand okay. harvested. Yeah. There's really like six hundred thousand that are harvested. Because those two hundred thousand died and were never found or reported, and yeah, they were killed by hunting but methods. But you have to account for all the ones that were shot and not recovered. Those guy went out and shot another deer. Yeah, I know. So I think no, no, no. You're I think, missing that point. I though. think increased recovery decreases total harvest. No. Beca- yeah, because think about so let's say let's whatever let's say fifty percent of guys maybe mm-hmm. that's super high I don't know mm-hmm. say fifty percent of guys shoot a deer. Don't recover it. Don't recover it. But it dies. And it dies. So that goes into the harvest so, market. No, that, it doesn't. They're it, not accounted for. That's why I'm saying that. But there's really 600,000 that died. So that's we're saying the same thing then, I think. So that's where uh, recovery in that case has decreased. Yes. Harvest has increased because those guys are going to go out and shoot. Which is why in Ohio, there weren't 400,000 deer that died last year. There were 600,000 plus from hunters that died last year. And so... The more effective we get at recovering them, the less we're going to harvest is what I'm saying. Well, that, that harvest number isn't going to, that harvest number is going to go up, but it's a false number. The fact that there were 400,000 deer harvested by the state reported will continue Those to go up. Those are recovered up. deer. Yep. And will continue to go up as he becomes more efficient at it. I don't think so. Why? Because the guys that 50% that aren't recovering those deer but they're dying, uh-huh. they're going out and shooting another 50% of the deer. How? I wonder what the percentage of guys are. I mean, 100% of guys that don't recover their deer are going to continue hunting. Most, in, yeah. most, most of them. Yep. And so that's interesting. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. You're saying that they killed one. It wasn't dictated in the harvest number they went back out they killed another one that was dictated in the harvest number if they found that first one they wouldn't have killed that one that's exactly what i'm saying yeah whereas currently they're killing that one and the one that they hit died so the number is inflated but it's just not shown anyway exactly yeah yeah Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean they're not as dumb as we look nick we're, we're figuring this out there's here. a lot of stuff there i mean we've had you and i well we, we spent 20 hours in a vehicle. Oh this, boy. This, we've had some deep dives into some many discussions. My Margie, when I got home yesterday, she goes, y'all are still yapping <laughs> after 10 hours together in three days. Like, we didn't even listen to the radio. I was like, literally, as, as aggressively as we're talking to each other now and on this podcast, it's, For 10, it's hours. 10 hours of that in the car. Yeah. No, listen, listen, if we're calling people. We're, we could have had a 10-hour live <laughs> podcast yesterday that at the end of it, people's heads would have been blowing up on fire. <laughs> we're freaking running a Wall Street brokerage on the way to and from Illinois. Yeah. It's phone calls nonstop. When mm-hmm. we get home and the phone, it's like... Mm-hmm. What the happened? Yeah. <laughs> you make that deal? I'd make that deal. Damn good deal. <laughs> All right. 
That's good. We appreciate Mike coming on. A lot of information there. Cool stuff. Um, definitely have to check out more on the ag drone side. But I forgot to tell um, all of our listeners when we first got on that we, regardless, of, shit. regardless we of where you guys it. are listening, can it? Let's bring Mike back on. Can it? We appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, it, it makes a big difference. Uh, please subscribe to our channel wherever you're listening and uh, engage with us. Give us a comment or something. We, we do read those from time to time and we appreciate you guys. And uh, this has been. Uh, Mike Yoder with Drone Deer Recovery. We're in the midst of November. Today, when we're recording this, is November 3rd. My mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. Oh, happy birthday, Vicky. I'm taking uh, Margie up there to go to Amish City, as she calls it. Yeah, Amish City. Like it's Amish uh, country. Country. Sweetheart. Um, so we're going to be more modern we're, in we're, the city. We're jumping around with uh, when we're recording these things. Nick, thank you for your flexibility being here today on a Friday. Friday. <laughs> And um, so next week, uh, it's going to be just Jeremy and I. Uh, we're going to record a, a recap of the second half mm-hmm. of Illinois and all that. And then we've got some sweet ones. Uh, Mr. David Blanton's going to join us just mm-hmm. before Thanksgiving. Oh, David Blanton. A really cool one. And we've got several in the works. So yep. um, And probably, uh, by request, a Dad's Kansas Live. Yeah, we're going to shoot for that podcast as long as the internet's good enough we'll be i think we'll be able to pull it off for that and thank you to everybody that tuned in and uh that was fun left some comments for us on the it would have the other day that was good good to have so but yeah should be yeah so uh ohio and pennsylvania hunts the next couple of days you're back in illinois and then kansas deer camp here we go and the wheels keep turning <laughs> so anyways we appreciate everybody listening to episode 156 with mike yoder and we'll see you next week later it's take me oh.